everybody, and welcome to a new episode of the MinMax Show, a place about games, friends getting better. My name is Baldy Ben Hansen. I'm joined by, well, there must be limits to this, but let's test it out, audio listeners. I'm joined by Kyle Hilliard. The nickname usually goes in the middle, Ben Baldy Hansen. I'm not familiar with that. Um, that's my Christian name, Kyle. Uh, also joined by Janet Garcia. Hello. Also joined by Jeff Marchiafava. That's me. But wait, there's more! Sarah Podzorski. Hello. Leo Vader! That's too many. Yeah, you're right. You're welcome to drop out of the call whenever you want. Uh, we have assembled the full crew of cohorts for this episode of the MinMaxtro uh, podcast because we need to talk about Game of the Year stuff. Um, we're going to be unpacking... Um, Wait, we're talking Game of the Year. <laughs> yeah, so, are you ready to debate? No! Oh, wow, Go right, right now. It's starting right now. Um, we're going to set the table. Leo, how'd you phrase it during the Party Chat podcast? Like the, the prologue? Is that what it is? Ex- exactly. Give us a teaser. Give each other a teaser, really, is the primary purpose, so we can get a little bit more uh, voices on some of the games that'll be in contention. Yeah. That are maybe slipping under the radar. Uh, But then we're kicking some people off the show and talking about the good stuff. We're talking about Atari 50, so please stick with us. We're going to be talking about Pentiment, the new Obsidian game on Xbox and PC. Somerville? Somerville? How do you pronounce that, Kyle? I think it's Somerville. Somerville? Okay. Yeah. Uh, then back half of the show, we have some wonderful community questions. They're going to be joined by a very special guest uh, from the Extra Life stream, somebody named Calamity Nolan. Because this last weekend, uh, we streamed for 20 hours straight from the Moonmax studio. And uh, thanks to everybody's support, we raised over $53,000 for a children's hospital here in nice. St. Paul, Minnesota. Clap, clap, clap. clap unbelievable work everybody thank you so much for tuning in for uh donating way too much money uh for us to do stupid dances and to literally make wishes come true uh thanks to the magical appearance of a genie there's a lot of lore on this uh year's extra live stream but you can check it out on our youtube channel uh if you want to get <laughs> it was kind of like a season up. of 24 now that i think about it it really was <laughs> yeah but part of that was uh we had an option for somebody to donate to charity and then they could be a guest on this very show so calamity nolan from the community said yes please i'd like to save some kids so they'll be joining us later on in this show. All right, let's get to this good stuff. This game of the year debate. Um, we have the two tens on the horizon. If you're just tuning into MinMax, uh, at the end of every year, we compile... Okay, here's how the game of the year stuff works in general, if I may. First things first, Kyle. We should probably start planning with Emily Reese to have an episode all about the best music, game music from this year, because I know she's very much looking forward to that. And that kind of, it feels like that kind of kicks off the season, because then yeah. we have the MinMax Awards, which are the categories of biggest news, uh, best moment, dumbest thing, best thing, all those fun categories. That's going to be its own separate thing uh, in this podcast feed still, though. And then we have the biggies, which are our actual game of the year lists, and we stream that all to you live you get to hear our full debates for that and that is what we call the two tens some say it's a top 20 games of the year but that's foolish these are two lists of 10 and as leo pointed it's out completely separate things completely separate things um, but as leo pointed out every year i feel like between the first 10 and the second 10 when we take a little break um, there's always those moments of like, oh, I should I should go play that because Janet is raving about this game and no one else played it and we feel bad. So we're trying to get a little bit of that out of the way on this very episode to try and make sure that we've covered as many bases as we conceivably can so that we go in for the most informed, hottest, coolest debate about Game of the Year stuff on this very internet. Sarah, how are you feeling about Game of the Year stuff this year? 
Sounds like I'm being assigned homework. Well, sounds like I'm getting some take homework here. No, yeah. no, but games yeah, are fun 100%. though. I mean, yes, yes, absolutely. Please, it's get, video games though, so it's fun. That's right. But get your number two pencil ready to go for real. Because this is going to be uh, you will be quizzed. You can't just spark notes to this game. That's right. Uh, speaking of which, uh, speaking of Sparky, um, other contributors not on this call. Let's see, uh, Kelsey Lewin, Jacob Geller. Um, Ana Diaz, uh, Jacob Geller was screaming from the rafters. He's out of town right now, but he's like, please, all you should be talking about is Citizen Sleeper and the last Clockwinder. And I assume Norco, but Citizen yeah. Sleeper and last Clockwinder were two of them that he's like, people need to play this before we have our Game of the Year debates, please. To be clear, Jacob is busy starring in Somerville. Uh, he is the main character in that game. Does he look like Jacob <laughs> Geller? He looks a lot like Jacob Geller. <laughs> really? I didn't even notice that at all. I didn't notice the uncanny resemblance. But Leo, you've got Jacob's bases covered. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the Last Clockwinder is amazing. I think I saw it was on your wish list, Sarah, on Steam. Yeah. You should definitely check you it out. Play it. I was it, surprised that it wasn't included in the VR Game of the Year awards because all I've heard is like amazing things about it. Yeah, I was surprised too. A quick pitch for that one is... Yeah. Uh, you know, obviously it's a great story and it's immersive and all the things you've heard about other VR games that have either gotten you to play them or haven't. But I think what's cool about this is something I've always loved about VR is simply picking things up and throwing them and like interacting with tactile objects. It's such a simple pleasure that games in the past, I guess, struggle to find a way to make meaningful gameplay out of and you get a lot of uh, shooters, wave based defense or whatever. But in this one, it's you're making these clones of yourself, doing these little actions that are essentially picking fruit and tossing it to another one or building a little piece of a contraption and then tossing it over and then making another clone that catches it and adds this other element. And that is such a simple, satisfying, like reliable tactile VR interaction to do a, to do the simple catching and throwing it's like reliable it feels like how it would in real life and it gets increasingly complicated and i was playing it this morning and just standing back and admiring this system i built of these eight clones doing cirque du soleil stuff like one of them <laughs> grabs a fruit and tosses it over its head while catching this other thing and attaching this thing to it and you just watch this system you've made play out and kind of almost do like an idle thing like you end up making these systems that are auto generating resources for you and you kind of have that layer of progression too i think it's a really cool game yeah i mean that is kind of the magic of vr is never in the history of video games have we been able to make a factory of clones of ourselves and physically act it out we've all done it just digitally but to actually physically move it that's something unique you know yeah and you see yourself in those clones you see the exact body language Ugh. and you're like that's me that's how i did that uh so can i come over to somebody's house and play that in vr then um, Sarah, can I come over this weekend and just we can hang out and drink some beers and play Last Clockwinder? I'll have to plug it back in. Okay. Because it okay. did get moved, but I have to play it still. Okay. So that sounds like a yes. All right. So Last <laughs> Clockwinder, everybody, please enjoy. Um, and then the other one is uh, Kelsey Lou, and I'm just channeling her spirit. I'm sure she's screaming Xenoblade Chronicles 3 for the love of all that's holy, Xenoblade Chronicles 3. But now we got Jeff on the ringer because he's been freaking streaming mm -hmm. that game on Mimex's Twitch channel. Yeah, you you were, you were told us that you maybe wanted all of us to be here, and I was like, I don't have a game to like tell other people that they should play. And then I realized, no, I've, I've actually been playing one for like a month now, <laughs> uh, every, every Thursday. Um, yeah, it's really good. She's right. Turns out, uh, it's a, it's, it's so much better than I was expecting going into it. I figured like maybe, maybe I'd be on board with the combat, but usually for JRPG 
games I tend to check out on the story because I'm expecting a lot of people with amnesia and stuff like that. And there's like so little tropes in this game. And it's just from, from the get go, from like literally the first, you know, intro clip, it, it has a really intriguing and unique premise that I just was not expecting. And it's, and every, every time I've played on it in like two hour chunks, it's just kind of built a new twist on top of it and kind of changed what the goalposts are for what you're doing in the game. And while continuing to layer stuff onto the combat and it's just, I've, I felt bad every time I've streamed it because it's like, oh, okay, now I finally understand what all these Xenoblade fans have been screaming about for <laughs> the past couple of years. Yeah, and especially with, um, it seems like chapter five is one that people are losing their minds about. Like, you think you understand that game, then chapter five will blow you out of the water. So it's not only like, you don't just got to start it. You really got to put <laughs> some time into this beast and make it through. And it's one that I would love to go back to but if I'm being completely honest, and Sarah, I'm very honest about which games I'm going to finish and which ones I am not. Um, Elden Rings, a lock, slam dunk. I'm going to finish that, absolutely. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, but Xenoblade, it's like I would love to go back to it, but realistically, God, I don't know. It's somewhere, it's somewhere on the docket though. Uh, but I'm glad that you're. You can at least get Kelsey's back during that discussion as well, Jeffum. Yeah. Uh, uh, Jeffum, if if there was somebody here besides Hanson who you had to force play Xenoblade, <laughs> force them to play it. Who do you think is most likely to like it? And could you use your most forceful voice while demanding it, please? Um, I'm going to say Kyle. Maybe, maybe, maybe Kyle's wife. Does your wife like like those games? Oh yeah, Kyle? she played. She loved too. Um, I have it. It's sitting there. Okay. Oh, right. You know what? Actually, honestly, the most intriguing thing that is like the sort of refrain I've hear, heard about that game a lot is it starts strong. It does. Because so many Very much. JRPGs do not. Even JRPGs I love do not start strong. So that actually is a huge incentive for me to be like, okay, well, if it if it kicks off cool out of the gate, maybe that would get me a little more interested in checking it out. Oh, it kicks off cool. All right. Um, kind of on a similar note. Uh Live Alive, thinking of just Nintendo RPGs, has anybody else finished or played a chunk of Live Alive? Is it started just... it. Okay, how far did you get, Kyle? I went to the sort of uh, contemporary guy, like the modern era, not the future, but the modern era guy, and right. I played like the first hour and a half or so. Oh boy, okay, so one of the of the six stories in there. Um, there's, yeah. Believe it or not, there's a, there's a lot left in there, but that is one that oh, yeah. I would love for somebody else to play um, to at least start, like if anybody, I'm looking at Jeffum, uh, just get off that Xenoblade train, get on this Live Alive train, but especially anybody who's like nostalgic over 16-bit RPGs, which I feel like out of this group, you're probably the highest in that uh, aspect, maybe, but we have a code sitting there, Jeffum. Uh, it it rules. I think it... Uh, you know, I, honestly, I almost, I almost said it... <sighs> I don't I don't know how much you want to talk about it, but you you put out a call and was like, hey, does anyone are there any Nintendo games that people miss throughout yeah. the year that you'd like to check out? And I raised my hand for like three of them and I was on the fence about Live Live, but I was like, I can't ask for that many. Surely other people would like to spread the love around and check these games out. Um but if it's still sitting there, I'll I'll check it out. Yeah. Love it. I think um it uh it's it's not going to be a long, boring drag of an RPG. It, it, 
also defies a lot of those classic tropes by just telling. I you. hope not. Well, no, that's <laughs> what, what are you signing me up for? No, no, no. I think you're going to be pleasantly surprised. It's just it's just a bunch of shorter vignettes and jumping around these different characters, and then there's some stuff after that, which might get a little more tropey, but still very cool and just wildly different and super creative and just bizarre. Uh, so I I'm going to be fighting for that uh, on the two ten. So it'd be nice to have some back. How how does it uh, stack up to the start of? Xenoblade. Well, what's weird is you you choose which story you want to start with. So it all depends oh, okay. on which one you start with. So I could I could steer you towards some of the better ones so you're much more in line with it. Um, based on your love of Red Dead 2, starting with the Western one is where I went, and um, that seems like a good way to go. Uh, okay, it, it then I'll like have a real... built-in excuse for never finishing it. Too, That's right. So. Yeah, exactly. That's great. <laughs> I know. Perfect. You, and just, you never want the Wild West to end. It's kind of your mantra right. in that house. Yeah, I get it. Yeah. Uh, Leo, you got something else that you think people should check out? Uh, one I'll be fighting for is a little game called Hard Space Shipbreaker. Really? Yes. I think that game is phenomenal. And it's on Game Pass, so no excuse. Uh, basically, you're floating around in zero-G doing this uh, job. It's a job simulator of a made-up job that is taking apart spaceships, finding points to cut them, or like free-form cutting them, if it makes sense to like cut a hole out of the side of it, like almost Metal Gear Rising Revengeance style. Yeah. And you're just peeling away these layers in a really satisfying way until eventually there's nothing left. You start with this full ship, full of all kinds of equipment and gear and junk, and then by the end, you're just like sending the little husk, little shell in the middle of it into the furnace, and you're just standing back and watching and seeing there's nothing left. And... It gets gradually more and more complicated in a really interesting way. Eventually, you have to like extract a nuclear reactor from most of the ships without bumping it against anything. So you've got to kind of plan your route out because you have a limited amount of time once you pull it from its casing. Eventually, you find ghost ships that are doing strange, inexplicable things like controlling themselves. And there are these AI nodes you have to destroy that are like screaming when you kill them. <laughs> it's great. a really weird, interesting lore. It's it's such a commitment to this job simulator of this made up job in this made up cool but bleak but interesting world. It has a it has a tough time I think breaking through with the name Hard Space Shipbreaker. It's not exactly catchy tip of the tongue type stuff. But didn't you stream it, Jeffum? I did. I, I streamed the first couple hours and absolutely. I will. I'll co-sign on to that one. It's it's a really unique idea for like i've never played a a game like that there aren't that many zero space games to begin with but yeah it's trying to manipulate your way around the outside and inside of these ships and figure out where like the best break points are and then kind of dragging it all and kicking it towards like the right incinerators that you have to send them to while also running out of oxygen every time because you think, oh, I can I can get rid of the rest of that wing before I go back to, you know, get more oxygen and stuff. It it was just a really fun I didn't get to all that cool ghost ship stuff or anything like that. But yeah, it's a it's a fun time. It's remarkable how consistent that progression is. You're constantly getting new little wrinkles on this job you're doing. And plus learning how the ships work as you break them apart, you're like, oh, I could have kept this whole half of it together and sent that all into the processor at the same time. And then the next time you know to do that and you're planning for it and getting to do that is so satisfying. There's like, you can break any ship apart in any way. And then you can just decide whether to do it smart or just not even think about it and just break away piece by piece, and that's satisfying too. It, it kind of feels like a little bit of that power wash simulator groove. I was going to say, it seems like it's in the same sort of 
orbit, not to get you know, make a pun about being in space. And Please, stuff, no seems puns, like it's like Kyle. A, scratching the same itch as Power Wash Simulator. Yeah, I wouldn't say it's far off. Besides, just a bit more decision based can do it more more different ways. There are certain things I've done with tethers of like, which is you know, you draw one line to from a point to another point, and it pulls it in that direction. Mm. Where I've basically had it like pulling a banana out of a peel, like having this inner part of this tube get pulled out at the same time as the outer layer. And that's like the only way to extract it is to like pull these two things at the same time into these two different places. And just like sitting back after I've set up the tethers and watching that happen, like having pulled off this weird, like engineering idea. It's such a unique game that you would, you would pitch and not even be sure if it was fun. But they made it, and it turns out it's awesome. <laughs> Good news for them. Uh, yeah, that was one that I, I started. I was curious about it, and then it was like, as somebody who gets uh, nauseated really easily from playing games, I made it like 10 minutes, and I was like, nope, mm, cannot sure. do floating around in zero-G. <laughs> this is impossible. Uh, there's so much of that zero-G, too, of getting like sucked into the furnace before you upgrade your thrusters. Yeah, like yeah. Desperately like shooting your grapple and trying to pull yourself as hard as you can. Like That stuff feels really real it's so physics based yeah you know the whole thing is a physics sandbox hard space shipbreaker is the name of that thing um janet as uh, the queen of video games somebody who's played uh probably more video games than anybody else combined uh is there something you feel like you need more representation on for the discussions here yeah i think um roller drome like how many of you guys actually checked that out was <sighs> that one, one that people got to at all i started like, it okay. yeah like an hour hour two yeah, I think like that's like that's up there with the, you know the Ali World similar vein. I've, I did consulting on that, so I won't really go into detail on that game. But I think both of them are like incredible skate games, sports games. Um, I haven't quite beaten it yet, but I think that game is particularly special in I think nailing so many aspects of different mechanics. Um, it being feeling good to skate around in the area, it having um, approachability in its variety of settings on how you can like turn off damage or like change all these different aspects where it can be a very challenging game and there's a lot of fun to be had there in scoring enough points, in shooting. Um, And it also has just like, I think one of the best art styles of the year as well. Uh, It's so striking and I think it's so impressive to me how Roll7 has been able to put out two incredible skating games that are vastly different in the same calendar year. Don't know how they did that, but um, that's one that I definitely, if you haven't, it's a short game. That's the thing. I think it's like, Mm. maybe like five, six hours. I think that one's worth seeing through if you started it and get the feel that's generally fun because it does progressively build in the types of arenas and the types of challenges. So I do think that's one that might benefit from people hitting credits if they maybe were like, oh, I got a taste. I feel like I know what it is. Like yeah. really seeing it through and seeing the different arenas and set pieces they create, I think helps establish what makes it so special. Leo, did you spend a lot of time with Roller Drome? Uh, yeah, a good amount of time. I made it to the last boss and then it that really soured me on it. Oh, so really? I'd be curious to have that conversation as far as when we're getting to where it lands in the top 20 because I think it will be in there. Yeah. It is really strong overall. But yeah, there are things about the last boss that I What are you talking about? The top 20? I don't understand what you're talking about. Sorry, the two tens. Oh, the two oh, tens. Oh, 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 oh. Yeah. Um, Sarah, do you have your pencil sharpened? Yes. Okay. Um, I feel like, you know, there's a lot of games that just as a group we haven't really hit on and I feel bad about Total War Warhammer 3. So, Sarah, if you could just play that. No, but there's are a lot you ta- of... Are you... I mean, I, me specifically? What have I done? <laughs> no, no, no. No, no, no. I'm just saying... I'm just saying you won't shut it, up about Warhammer. No, 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 I love no. Warhammer. 
I'm saying there's games like that that I feel bad that none of us are really into that seem great and it's stuff that I, at some point I would love to get into but another one that is in that category that I feel bad that none of us have really tried and I feel like Sarah and I I think it's in our wheelhouse is Grounded from Obsidian um, oh yeah do you have any interest in that survival game? I mean I do but th- I mean I think the biggest issue is it's kind of like you know, you need the friends to make it. Yeah. I assume if you go in by yourself, it's not going to be, you know, a true authentic experience. Right, right. So it's a matter of you need to convince all of your friends to get into this, and that's a pretty tall Yeah, order. it's like, how do you convince a bunch of people who play Valorant to come <laughs> be little kids, like, shrunk in, a, you know, a lawn? Right, right, right. But you can make a sharp spear. hanging out with Valorant people? <laughs> Those are her people. <laughs> it's, a long, it's just a long story. Um... Yeah, maybe, I think we talked about it at some point, like, I don't know if it's a group stream, but I feel like, yeah, I feel like the two of us could have fun in that game. It, it prob- Leo, are you tempted by it? I know you did coverage for it back at Game Informer and stuff. But. I did actually play it again recently. Oh, really? Uh, a couple sessions with a friend, and it was really good, and what I wasn't expecting was how polished it is, especially for a survival game which, you know, typically comes out of Steam Early Access or whatever, there's times where you're t- just stopped by how beautiful the sunrise is and the dew on the grass and stuff like that. Wow. That makes it a really cool, remarkably well-realized uh, being a little small guy type of experience. Yeah, yeah. I've started it in Early Access and I started it again at 1.0 and it's, it's not getting me out of the gate, but I hear such great things about it as it kind of builds that I, I want to get over that hump before the end of the year to try and wrap my mind around what makes it so special. I did stop playing because I hit a big hump. It was like, there's a couple things I kind of want, but I can't find those creatures. And oh, so yeah. I don't really know how to even progress further. I just keep getting annihilated by every mid-sized bug I see. Yeah, I'm glad you, you gave it a try, though. Um, does anybody else have one that want to shove down somebody else's throat? Um, I'm opening wide. <laughs> <laughs> That's have, scary. <laughs> I have kind of like a low commitment one, which is uh, Point P the mobile Mm. Netflix game. Just really simple, just really perfect use of like the mobile platform. It's it's a game you can beat, which I appreciate it. When you start playing it, you feel like, oh, this is a high score grind. But no, it does have an ending. And uh, it's just it's just one of those games that's like they built it with the sort of the mobile sort of device in mind. And because of that, it's like one of my favorite mobile games of the year. And there's a good chance it might make my personal list just because I had such a great time with it yeah can you remind me of my netflix password though because i'd like to play it but on my phone i don't really know <laughs> yes to... uh n yeah p-a-s-s-w-o-r-d that's right that's right okay so you want to slow down and, and say email. it again okay got it <laughs> uh, uh, can you t- tell me if my parents will be mad at me for logging in on a new device <laughs> <laughs> damn you netflix i was uh, like, i was kind of bummed to not see it on um like the game awards list like uh, the mm. game award mobile list is all pretty much i think for apex legends except for apex legends mobile every other game is also on pc and i was like oh, i would have liked to see more specifically focused mobile games and point p is the one that i would have liked to see on yeah there. i wonder if the stuff with subscriptions for those it's just tough to get kind of a mass audience like i don't know how much yeah. apple arcade stuff was even in there um not none i feel like people just at least that's how i felt with that category so i think i might have that might have been a category i skipped um like i just don't play enough like it's just yeah it's so low like and not because it's bad but it's just like so much lower on like the stuff i'm already neglecting and i think a lot of people probably end up there like i'm guessing most people didn't play a lot of mobile games in the calendar year unless they oh, really yeah, have a focus fair, yeah. on it 
So yeah, <laughs> it was Kyle's um, job, gotta, and he barely. Yeah, it was my it. job yeah. for a little while. But, uh, <laughs> point, point P is the one that like floated to the top for me. Yeah, of, like this is a cool game, and I and I hope more people check it out. Yeah, what's the how long to beat on that? Do you happen to know what the? I mean, I, that's a good question because I I played it over the course of like a week or two and beat it, but I was playing in really small chunks, so mm-hmm. I would imagine it's like probably four hours at most, maybe. Yeah, I, I know, think it says five hours. That. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Jeffum, did you help me out? Let's go back to January. Did you play Nobody Saves the World? That the drink box game, really. the action RPG. I know Janet and I were hot on it. I think uh, we're the only refer- ones that played it. <laughs> I played Hansen it. referred to it played as it. the second coming of Christ. And uh, yeah. yeah, I yeah. played it. I got like six like every the way other through. game that. Okay, played. as long as, as long as some people play, but oh, I think, oh, it, I think it, you might is like it. Is it the one where you you switch into other like you yes. turn into a rat? Yep. And yep. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Okay. I played mm-hmm. some of that. Yeah. Okay. All right. <clears throat> Could you just play the rest of it though and become a champion and then join Janet and I for? Yeah, sure. I'll just add it to the list. Okay. Cool. Elden. Let's see. Elden Ring, Xenoblade. Live Alive. Horizon couldn't hurt. Um, Horizon. Have you not played there. Horizon? Still, <laughs> I'm, I I started it, but it came out right when like close no, close enough to Elden Ring. Really about it, you're totally fine. Play I mean, something different. That is going to be one. I think we're outside of Janet. I think we're pretty underrepresented on the Horizon front. Like, how are you mean, feeling about like, Janet? I mean, I I really well, liked it, and I and I love the first one. Yeah, so I do I do. I will get back to it at some point. It's just I'm. He's playing Xenoblade Chronicles like three. What more do you want from him? Yeah, I do feel like Jeff yeah. ended up being cornered because he's such a good. He's just a. Let's g- take a quick look and no, audit I, of I mean, life this year. It's one. It's one that I would like to fight for. Yeah, alongside okay. Janet. It's yeah, Jeff, just, you're just such a good like landfill for games. You're like the perfect Venn diagram of everybody's interests. So yeah, just, just dump them all. <laughs> Dump them in there. At least they're not going in my mouth like Leo. So. That's right. Oh God. <laughs> um, can we have like a Patreon goal for like a little cabin in the North Woods of Minnesota, and then you just go up there and you play all these games just in solitude, Jeff? And we just like basically an isolation <laughs> chamber that we the can gamers, lock you in. Gamer solitude. Yeah, I'd sign up for that. Can yeah, it be the I'm, Marvel cabin? Yeah, it can be whatever <laughs> you want right. it to be. Absolutely. So Jeff, we can pick you up and drop you off at the chamber. Yeah, sure. That, okay. that sounds great. Cool. I'm sure great. My, Wife and two-year-old child woman. <laughs> Where's daddy they come going? in the dead of night, put a bag over his head. Just, <laughs> You're going to love Horizon. We're bringing you the Forbidden like, you know North. You would have come willingly. <laughs> like, what are we doing here? Um, did you, how many of y'all played Escape Academy? Mm, I did. I liked it. Yeah. yeah. Okay, okay. I, I played yeah, maybe sure. four rounds of it. And a disclaimer on that one as well. Uh, there, it's from I'm8Bit and we plugged it on the podcast and all that stuff. But uh, yeah, I, I like that game. Um, it's one of those that I'm not red hot on. It feels... If I may be fully honest, feels like one of those that's kind of in that like 25 area, maybe if the list was oh. ordered in some confusing oh. way. Is, you mean the third five? The third ten. The elusive third ten. There's some good stuff in there. Um, I don't know. You should finish it if you have it. Yeah, um, I, I love it. that game. It, it was like one of my favorite experiences of the year and probably my favorite multiplayer thing since. Oh, God. Last year, what was it? Tango, Operation Tango. Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, I th- yeah. I think it's like right up there with just how good is it solving everything. And there's a, a the DLC dropped, I think, a few weeks ago, too. Oh, right. So I'll have to check that out. Um, really? Ti- okay. Tinykin, I feel like people, we play Tinykin. I'm, I'm, right? I'm red hot on Tinykin. Yeah. Okay. I like Tinykin a lot. Yeah. I dabbled. 
I think my only other one that I have that maybe people didn't get to this one. I don't know if it would make the two tens, but I really did enjoy this game. Um, Strange Horticulture oh, came yeah. out like toward the beginning of the year. Sarah, have you have you played this one? No, I mean, it's it's on my list of things to play. And I definitely was interested when it came out, but I haven't picked it up yet. Yeah, it's one of yeah. those. I'm always I'm always charmed by any steam game that comes out and it's like oh let's look at reviews overwhelmingly positive and yet it doesn't feel like people are really talking about it so it's 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 beloved out there i'm interested yeah, yeah y'all y'all should check that one out um as far as like games you may have missed it is a super fun premise it's point and click style on pc and essentially you're running uh, gosh there's an it's not an apothecary shop but it's like you sell like plants and herbs and things and people come to you and will say, oh, I need this certain plant. But sometimes they'll kind of omit or they won't know some of the information. So maybe they'll say something like, I need something to soothe a headache. I'm just making up the examples. And then you have to kind of look through the plant descriptions and try to find what plant you have, like the tags and a book. And you're kind of slowly using all these tools. And there's like a map at one point. So it's like a, a really fun sim that's kind of has this puzzle solving layer um, and then running underneath all of that is sort of this ominous larger story of what's going on in the town so it's kind of a little bit spooky a little witchy um and just genuinely like a really fun relaxing yet intriguing simulator so i really enjoyed that game again i'm not sure how hot i'll be on it come the 210s or yeah. like where it'll land or how much i'll fight for it but i'll definitely be one that i shout out when we do our like mega list of every game that we felt anything for like mm -hmm. that was a, a really fun time that i had early this year yeah and it's on steam and uh yeah it came to switch too i forgot about that so strange horticulture is the name of that my thing. um follow-up to that janet that sort of the your description of that game like how you felt about it is exactly how i feel about um signalis which um was like, i was gonna ask if you played that yeah because I, I just I, played it and it felt like a very like it felt like i was like oh kyle might like this Oh, and you're right. Uh, it's, yeah. Oh, <laughs> it was it was one of those nights. I think we've probably a lot of us have had where you just try a bunch of different um, Game Pass games, mm -hmm. and that was the one that I was like found myself like four hours in, and I was like, oh, I think I'm gonna beat this one. And it's um, it's very Silent Hill esque. It's very Silent Hill inspired. It's functionally plays like Silent Hill. But the thing that's really charming about it, which maybe Hanson you'd be into, I'm not sure, is well, like uh... we have lots of like indie games that are heavily inspired by the 16-bit era of games. Signalis is a game that feels like heavily inspired by the 32-bit era. Like it right. really feels like and looks a little like Metal Gear Solid. Um, yeah, and it's creepy and weird, and it's just a cool mm -hmm. sci-fi story. And it just I it ended up like getting its hooks in me, and I played through it uh, in over the course of like two or three nights and really enjoyed it. I feel like I had the best case scenario for Signalis with a couple of addendums, which was I was at Dan Reichert's house. And booted it up with Tim Turry because Master of Survival Horror. I'm like, oh, I want to see you like play this game. This true, seems yeah. great. And maybe we were just a little bit too drunk and it was too late or something. But like, it didn't have a big impact on me. And <laughs> we I don't... kept vomiting. Right. So it's tough <laughs> to see the screen. Um, classic 32-bit I mean, style. It's not really like a hey, hang out with friends and check out mm -hmm. this game. Yeah. Kind of game. It's like a turn off the lights and turn put on headphones and accept the slow burn until you get a yeah. gun and then it gets a There's little a lot of like game. reading. There's a lot of like little things they expect you to read into while you're playing it. Yeah. Um, I really like that it goes from kind of top down to first person perspective for some puzzles. And it still looks amazing in both perspectives. I was really surprised by that. And it really it does a good job kind of, you know, changing the pace a little bit. 
Yeah, uh, Interrata from the community wrote in actually on Patreon. They say, hey crew, uh, Smack, which is a user in the Discord, raved about Signalis, so I picked it up and delayed playing Ragnarok until I finished it. So if I may recommend a game everyone should try before Game of the Year talks, it's Signalis! Uh, so you're not alone, everybody. There's definitely a groundswell out there. Yeah, that's cool. That's cool. Um, are we... Did I know Jacob Geller is very into it, but the Stanley Parable Ultra Deluxe... Sarah, did you... Play, I'm trying to remember. Did, did people play through that thing? I don't know just if Jacob I ever got I? to the DLC. Because I okay. just started playing the Stanley Parable. Right. And I never... I don't think I ever, like, started to check out the DLC. It's very clear, like... It well, is. there's a door that says this is the DLC. <laughs> That's exactly. So, and, and to be fair, <laughs> I want to couch it. It's not DLC. It says new content. And the more I can kind of oh, nudge people. Oh, is that what we were counting for Echoes of the Eye? As opposed to regular Outer DLC, Wilds? which is I'm not new I'm just saying, new I content? feel like I, it's easy to see it as, oh, it's the DLC or the remastered console mm, version of Stanley Parable. An interesting but argument. Sarah... <laughs> I'm saying it might be more than that, everybody. If you check out the Stanley Parable Ultra Deluxe, um, it might be part of what you think it is going in, and maybe it's more than that. Um, but it's it's one of my favorite. What experiences does that mean? <laughs> maybe it's more than that. It's it's good. Just a different game. I don't game? want you to expand anymore. I it is one of those I, spoilery okay, things that yeah. If I explain, if I could say something, they'd be like, oh okay, I see why it's more interesting. I could wow everybody right now by saying what it is, but I'm not going to say what it is. <laughs> Um, it's that. very bold of you. <laughs> Trust me, you'd all be like Thank crying from the beauty, and I'd be so eloquent. And you'd all Trust think me, I was it's got to be number one. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. Yeah. Here, I'm writing it down right next okay, to thank Hard you. Space Shipbreaker. Do you have? Uh, do you actually have a literal list, Sarah? By the way. Me? Yeah. W did I mention that I had a list? You said it's on the list. I don't know if you actually like a Google Doc or something where you're tracking stuff to like maybe I, get around. I do to. have like a little spreadsheet, and I have to play. And then, like, played and enjoyed. Because sometimes I find it hard to remember. Yeah. What's on the yeah. two playlist? The list, to, the list of two play is getting a little uh, scary. Do you want to run it down? Yeah. We have, obviously, I want to play Pentiment. I want to check out Vampire Survivor. Yep. I need to recheck out Power Wash Simulator because it's been, like, a year since I played it. Yeah. So I missed all the new stuff. Uh, Pokemon's on there. Uh, Goodbye World just came out today, I think. Oh, yeah. Um. There's this little horror game. It's not out yet, but there's this little horror game where you play as a tugboat called Dredge <laughs> that I really want to play. That's a good name. Um, it was good. Dredge. Yeah, and then Triangle Strategy is like, a, mm, I probably won't get to it, but it's on the list. Uh, Xenoblade 3, mm, I don't know if I have 60 hours, but it's on the list. Uh, I added Hard Space, Shipbreaker, and Strange Horticulture. Perfect. That is the perfect so I'm list. literally looking at my list and crying. Yep. We can just take that list, <laughs> and that'll be the first 10, I th at least, I think. Um, Leo, if I may uh, press again, uh, Return to Monkey Island. I would love to have somebody else who played that, and I feel like it's it's right there. It is on the table. I'm taking off the, what's it called? The fancy tin thing you take off of plates? Is there a name for that? A cover? Roof. The cover, <laughs> Leo. And Isn't I'm it like, wafting. Leo it's not like a cloche. Cloche? Cloche? Uh, Sorry, close, but no I'm cigar. Words up. <laughs> um, anyways, I'm wafting the smells of fancy, the fine though. meal over to you, Leo. I, I hope you get to that before the end of the year. Thank you for reminding me. I've played a bit. I will play more. Okay. Recommendation. Thank you. I really, yeah. I, I think you would enjoy it if you, if you got through to the end. I think if you pushed yourself through, you'd really enjoy it. Uh, I think that's basically it for me. Uh, you know, I finished Mario and Rabbids and love that game. Loved it a lot more even than I expected. Um, but it's one of those where it's like, I think you kind of get the idea. I think it, it ends really well, but I think most of us have played a couple worlds of it, like that level of thing, and it'd be awesome if other people finished it. But it's one of those where it's like, yeah, 
I think everyone's going to get a fair read on, on what that is, which is good, damn it. Uh, anything else that we missed here? You should all play Trombone Simulator just because it's fun. Just because it's fun. And that's what we're here to do is to have a little bit of fun. So I guess that's fair. All right. Um, okay, then I guess on the count of three, um, we got to all break and then we wait, all go play wait, these games. Wait, oh, uh, yeah. Jacob and Citizen Sleeper. Oh, Is it, do oh we have yeah. enough people who check that out? Do we need more? I need to beat it because it's a fairly short game. I played the first four hours of it. Um, I loved it so far. I'm a little bit scared because, like, I also loved Norco when I first started it. And then when I beat it, I was like, I didn't like this at right, all. Right. <laughs> um, but, yeah, Citizen Sleeper, it has, like, a fun, um, I guess, what would you call it? I'm not gambling element, but, like, chance element of, like, you ro- die, dice roll for um, different actions or different um, dialogue pieces. And it's set in this, like, very intriguing, mysterious, like, sci-fi world. And I just think the writing is really superb in this game. And the stylization is very cool, even though it's essentially still kind of... Um, I don't know the best word for this, but it's not like you it's like you move through space and time. It's kind of like you're going through screens, almost like a visual novel, but a little bit more. The presentation feels a little bit more involved than like a simple screen by screen one. Um, But yeah, I really enjoyed that so far. And everyone I know that's played it loves it. So that's one I want to beat to kind of figure out where do I land on it overall. Yeah, I, I have beat it. And I think to that point, it's interesting that there are so many endings, so many paths to go down that I wonder if there's one that you would hate versus one that you would love. It might be luck of the draw on that one. But I do think that's a pro for it is that if you aren't interested in something, if you think think one plot thread is boring, you can pretty much just drop it and just follow the stuff that you're intrigued by. And I also think it's one of those games that intimidates people because it's a reading game, but it feels so little like a reading game when you're actually playing it. It does a really good job of like placing you in that space station and making you feel like you're living there and you happen to be reading as your main way of going through it. Right. But it is, there is a strong vibe to it where you don't just feel like you're reading a book. Right on. Yeah, and it's on absolutely everything. Is it still on Game Pass? It was a Game Pass game, wasn't mm-hmm. it? I hope so. Okay, I think <laughs> That's so. That's where I was going to play it. <laughs> yeah, I know I started it. All right, uh, let us know what we're missing in the comments. Let us know what we need to sprint towards. Let us know what other games Jeffum needs to play uh, before the 210s debate coming up. Uh, Let's load up that cabin. That's right. In the middle of December here, let us know what we need to get to before that oh holiest of days. All right, uh, okay, now uh, we got a break on three. Everybody ready? Okay, games on three. Hands in, hands in. Jeff, hands in. Okay, one, two, three. Games. 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 I went down. Everyone went up. I think everyone's tone (laughs) was going down. Oh, is that what it is? I wasn't in any sports ever in my life. Um, Okay, now just to make it. Are you shocked? (laughs) Have you seen my body? Have you seen me move? How quick we forget. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Which, I mean, again, one of the most amazing things about that Extra Life stream was we auctioned off the basketball from that Wii Sports video and it went for hundreds, which is just. Hell yeah. I mean, as it should. It wasn't even properly inflated. <laughs> don't, Leo, don't tell them. They'll take the money back from That's charity. You know it's authentic, though. No, you know what I mean? Uh, okay. Uh, just like us. <laughs> Jeff and Sarah, you two want to clap out now, please? Thank you. Thank you yeah. for being here, though. All right. All right. Uh, as for newer games, uh, stuff we've been enjoying. Um, last Friday, a game came out called Atari 50, the anniversary celebration. Um, we talked about it a little bit before. We talked about it when Chris Kohler was on uh, to talk about the TMNT collection because it's from Digital Eclipse, and this is the new release from Digital Eclipse who has had a wild year because they also released that uh, Garbage Pail Kids game as well. Um, but uh, Janet, do you know the hook for this Atari 50 thing? Um, a little bit. It's like you're walking around a 
either arcade or slash museum, and it's kind of like close. I don't know. I don't know what goes after that though. Like, <laughs> how many layers of interactivity there are in it? Yeah, you should remove. Really good, also. Yes, it's very good. Absolutely, you should remove some layers of interactivity because you're not walking around per se. But what it is is it's running through the 50 year history of the game company Atari and. Starting out, it's like, hey, we have 90 Atari games packed in here going, you know, to the Jaguar from the very beginning, all this fun stuff. But then uh, the interesting thing about it, it's more than just a simple game collection, is it actually lets you walk through... I say walk through, but not literally. <laughs> <laughs> but there's kind of a, a glorified, actually really well done menu to re relay the entire history of Atari. And you're working your way through that timeline. And then there's wild artifacts like, hey, here's the original business card from Nolan Bushnell. Or here's like this marketing pamphlet. But then also here's a three minute video or a one minute video with one of the designers talking about the history of this game. Or here is this game here. If you hit uh, Y, then you can just jump in and start playing it to get a sample of where they're at. Uh, Leo, what do you think of this thing so far? It's cool. I was initially disappointed that you can't play every game they mention. Right. But as you go yeah. through it, you realize there are so many that you can, including like this, we made this idea that never got made, or this is the prototype version of this game that never got released. Oh, you wow. can fully play those. And sure, my average playtime for any of these is like three seconds, <laughs> but that's truly not like a knock on it. It's really cool to be able to dive in and just feel what it's like. Yeah, and I'm such a sucker. It, it genuinely made me emotional about a game that I didn't care about at all before. We're like, Atari's Tank. And this is a whole thing about the history of Atari's Tank. And it's like, by the way, now um, here's a sequel that Digital Eclipse made. It's called Quadra Tank. It is the first sequel since 1978. Please enjoy. It's like, God, that is so beautiful just to like celebrate the past in as thorough a way as possible, which, you know, they also did a great job in the TMNT collection. We talked about that, but this feels like another step up, and especially having those videos in there where it's like, all right, here's a lot of these Atari designers. Um, I don't want to be too morbid. They're not going to be on Earth for much longer. And just having this now preserved, amazing collection of just one of the most important companies in the history of video games, it's like, just, you, you couldn't do it better. It's unbelievable. And right. it seems decently raw. Like, of course, it's celebrating Atari, and that's the main goal of it. Right. But there's one video that I really enjoyed that was about, like, addressing the rumors that drug use was rampant in that office. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And it opens, did you watch that one? No, I didn't watch that one yet. It's really good. It opens with one higher up who's like, it never happened in my office, you know, whatever you've heard. I, I never saw it. And then it's 15 interviews with other people where they're like, yeah, we're smoking weed in the office. There was a guy who worked there who was the weed dealer. That was his <laughs> job. <laughs> and, and one guy says, he was like, yeah, so I was hanging out smoking a joint with psilocybin and cocaine in it. And I came up with this design doc for a game. And then that design doc got turned into a game exactly with no edits <laughs> we made that game and he didn't say which one it was unfortunately oh it's really oh damn it it's like you don't look for whatever people do say it's about you don't look at adventure and go what were they smoking when they came up with this <laughs> 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 but apparently they were going nuts in that office yeah it's cool like they um they have a lot of old Atari designers but then they have people from around the industry too like they have one pretty early on where it's like hey the legend of the first uh pong cabinet in a bar and how it stopped working but the reason it stopped working is because it was literally too jammed full filled with quarters it was making too much money and so they have like in that one at least a lot of people from the industry like here's tim schaefer telling his version of that story that he heard here's cliffy b telling his version of the story here's eugene jarvis just letting f-bombs fly as he tells his version of that story so it's, it's through the f-bombs that's right it's so cool um and there's one weird story early on too because 
believe it or not, yeah, Atari's history at times, it's it's not uh, the most glamorous. Um, but there, did you see that one about the game called Gotcha, Leo? No. It's a game called Gotcha. Which oh is, yeah, no, with the with the <laughs> two uh, cups you interact with. Easy. Uh, yeah, so it's like the fourth <laughs> game that Atari ever made, and it's like a two-player game where the, you just like chase each other through a maze. But all of the marketing is like a guy picking up a girl and just kind of gross stuff like that. But then literally the two joysticks on the controller have like pink domes over them so you're like rubbing two boobs to like move the controller that one wasn't playable in there um they might have a special edition with the uh, special boob controller i'm not sure uh but yeah i i only it, hope it feels like the best interactive documentary since beatles rock band which is very precious to me but it has kind of that vibe of like i am looking forward to just walking through the full history chronologically uh and then jumping to better games like tempest 2000 and stuff and actually having a great time playing it is it um it's a weird question here but is it is it like linear or is it kind of like hey you can, here's a bunch of options for you to learn about because i would love it if it's like here's a timeline and we present it to you in a specific order what if i told you it's linear but you can choose where you want to go which is kind of how it is it's like it has it kind I, of broken up into suggested chunks. linearity i just yes. i just don't want to like jump to you know 1978 and see what's going on there i want to i want to like read it like a book almost you yep. can do that completely okay, cool. yeah 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 absolutely um it's on everything um it's 40 bucks which oh. some people yeah which some people want to be like uh oh, it's it's a tough thing like that does strike me as high there's 90 games packed in and for the experience i mean i guess 50 years of atari knowledge that's worth something but it did stand out a little bit to me too, Leo. Of like, okay, maybe wait for it to go on sale, but it's still really cool, and they deserve the forty dollars because the team nailed it over a digital eclipse. But uh, only two twenty-five per game. That's right. Hey, you don't want to lose money on this, you know? That's right. How much do you want to pay for quad? And all the whole history—that's got to be at least worth like another game. Yeah, you think so? Uh, but it's cool. I'm looking forward to to blasting through all that stuff here. It's going to be an interesting one for like, you know, how much of a game is it for talking about the greatest games of the year i think it it counts just interactive documentary style but i, I you love know it. i'll back you up thank you leo uh okay also this other game uh came out called pentiment uh from the creators of grounded everybody uh obsidian pentiment is out now on game pass and uh pc this is the game that when it was revealed, you might have been confused by the art style. Nobody could have seen that this was going to be an Obsidian game. This is the one that is 2D, very interesting art style, uh, very ink-inspired, and it's based on... Uh, you're in the uh, Germany in 1518 is where the game starts, at least, and you're kind of working through this person's life in grand old Germany. Um, has everybody here played it, dabbled with it? Where's everybody at? Wait an hour or so. Okay. Janet, have you seen this it. yet? Okay. Haven't it's, played it. Read some reviews. Saw IGN's 10 and raised IGN, an eyebrow. IGN gave it a 10 and then GameSpot gave it a 6. And so it's like, oh, yeah, this is nice. wild. Weird, but in yeah. general, I think it's it's getting really good reviews. Um, Leo, what did you think based on that first hour? Gosh, it's it's not up my alley at all. This like setting and even really type of game. Right. It's really fully RPG and you tailor your tailor your character's background in a way that's interesting. But again, it's very like, uh, you know, 1500s is not something that typically grabs me as a setting. And I think for that. How much I like it is a really huge achievement. <laughs> yeah, it's like really. It's really kind of a grand setting, but really small human moments that it's focusing on and just inescapably 
gorgeous and like cohesive presentation it feels like a person's vision come to life in a way that's pretty rare yeah it really feels like what if a lot of dorks got really into 1518 <laughs> it's like I'm, yeah. I'm into that it's the type of game where i was playing i was like you know i i like people that like this more than i like this does that make sense? Like, I think it's a really cool thing. I don't know if exactly it's working for me. It's it's also really tough. It's a really tough time of year to have a really unique, slow down, read a lot type of game. And it's just fascinating that this is a Microsoft game now. This is an Xbox game ever since they bought Obsidian. And so I love the idea that Xbox is letting the studios run wild enough to release this game which it feels like a kickstarter game but the fact that like this is the xbox game put up against i know it's not a literal competition but in the window of putting up against sony's god of war ragnarok and nintendo's pokemon scarlet and violet and it's like and then here's a game where it's about taxation and pagan gods in the 1500s everybody have fun it's wild i really hope it finds its audience because, yeah, again, there is it's surprisingly more accessible than you might think. And it does a great job of whenever there's a, a proper noun, a yes. name, a religion you don't understand. You press the back button and it zooms out and shows that what frame of what you're doing as an illustration on the book with other illustrations and words around it and a description of that highlighted word. Yeah, that fills you in. And I've been using that a lot. It's like referring to characters that I met earlier in the story and stuff and just forget and you zoom out and then it's a picture of their face. Like that stuff makes it really uh, appeal to everyone, I think. Did you see that slider in the menu too where you can increase the size of people's heads? <laughs> no. It's like a big head mode slider. And I wonder if it's just to like... Every game should have that. I think it really should. Fair, yes. Uh, what but, is the gameplay application though? Does it just help you make out more details? I think it's just, yeah, to have these people stand out a little bit more because I you know it's kind of a wide Fair. shot and maybe like you want to get a better look at their faces to help remember who's who and whatnot. Yeah, it could help you identify people better as an accessibility thing. It also yeah. asks you like, we like handwritten fonts for this game. Yeah. So it feels like it's being written in front of you. Like letters are being erased and like moved around as they well, that's, type that's one stuff. thing that i heard that it's like sounded really cool is like the writer quote unquote will like sometimes miswrite something yep, and like yep. have to erase it that's cool that's like yeah fun but, little, I, you know. but the accessibility aspect is you can also just replace that with regular typeface if oh, it's sure, too hard right. for you to read but that is used really interestingly as like minor spoiler for something that happens really early but i think might interest people is like you're talking to somebody at least in my playthrough and they're doing the handwritten script and yours is a bit more proper. Your character talking is always looks a little more typed. And this person is revealing parts of themselves to you and you go, I kind of underestimated this person. And then their font changes to be more like yours and hmm. stuff like that makes it feel like there's going to be some unreliable narrator stuff going on of like, this is someone's account of what happened. Yeah. It, it feels like the magic of the game is playing through all of it. And I hear it's like uh, 15 hours or so, 15, 20 hours. Um, but it's, I think it's going to be that full scope. The fact that you're making these big decisions, it, it basically feels like an adventure game through most of it, you know, but you're yeah. making these big decisions and then seeing how that impacts the world around you, the characters around you as everything ages and you get older and whatnot. And so it feels like the worst type of game to be like, I played an hour of it. It seems kind of cool and unique, you know, so I apologize for not spending more time, but we've been busy over here. Um, but yeah, I, I hope some of us get into it because it's a very, very cool, weird thing. And it's just, I'm just delighted that Obsidian is allowed to do this. I love it so much. And I intend to play it more. <laughs> okay. I, it's, it's one of those things where it's just like, 
boy, I'm grateful this exists. Yes. I'll fight for this in the top 10, even if I never played it. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And there's definitely that fan base out there. Um, so it's Josh Sawyer. It's a, it's his project and he's a designer going back to like Icewind Dale at Obsidian. He directed Fallout New Vegas is where a lot of people locked into him in a big way. Um, and then he did uh, Pillars of Eternity, the Kickstarter project. Um, and so I feel like he really built up a deep connection with the community at Obsidian because of that. And for this to be the dream project when they get the uh, Buca Dolores uh, money, as some would say, from Microsoft rolling in. It's like it's it's very cool. And the the artist um, is Hannah Kennedy. I remember visiting the studio for the Outer Worlds cover story trip at Game Informer. Uh, she did the art for that uh, Game Informer cover. And I remember in the studio, even it was like, oh, Hannah Hannah Kennedy. She's an all star artist, a Hall of Famer. She's so good, great up and comer. She did the art. It's gonna be great. And so it's cool to be like, oh, now here's an entire game based on her art style for this thing. And yeah, if we didn't explain it well, it's kind of think of like the kind of Terry Gilliam. Uh, Monty Python style sure. art that's probably the easiest frame of reference. And there's parts Almost of it that looks are, like cutouts. Right, right. But really right. detailed. Yeah. Pentiment, everybody, from Obsidian on Game Pass and Steam and all that fun stuff. Um, I was playing it, I was like, God, this is so cool. I is this turning anybody on to Game Pass? Is this worth it from the Microsoft point of view of buying Obsidian, then this is what they release because they want smaller games to fill out Game Pass. I was like, is anybody being turned by this? And then it turns out uh, somebody somebody a comment over on Patreon, Pierce over here, and says, Pentiment might be the game uh, to get me to order an Xbox and Game Pass. As a huge fan of Josh Sawyer's online discussions on game building and RPGs and also this historical period, it seems like a slam dunk. What a cool idea for a game. So... Purse is the answer. Purse is the person you're looking for there, Microsoft, because you're turning some people on a Game Pass with bold decisions like this. So. Yeah, when I started playing it, I was kind of like, this seems so niche, I would believe this would sell three copies. Yes, you know? yep. But yep. I'm glad that people are hearing about it. Yep, exactly. Uh, hey, this other game, Somerville from Jump Ship. Uh, Kyle, you Hello. reviewed this thing. You've been playing uh, the hell out of it. This is the game, Somerville, that is from uh, Dino Patti. Is that how you pronounce it? Dino Patti? Uh, yeah, I'm not exactly sure how to pronounce it. Dino Patti, Dino Patti. Yeah. yeah sure. um, but uh, he's the co-founder and a former CEO of Playdead, the creators of Inside and Limbo and all that good stuff. And then the new studio is called Jump Ship, and this is uh, their first game here. But it's... Yeah. It's Dino Patti's that... executive producer on okay. the game. Yeah. And then it, it's written and directed by one guy, Chris something. Chris Olson, yeah, who's like a British yeah. animator. I looked it up. It's kind of yeah, I guess he has more of like a Hollywood history. Uh, yeah, animated films and stuff like that. So the easy pitch is it's kind of a little bit like Inside, but uh, 3D, still kind of isometric. In that genre, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's actually like gameplay wise closer to Little Nightmares, where it's like linear uh, direction, but in, you have a 3D space where you can move on all the access, all the act. Yeah. yeah. Um yeah. so it's on uh it's on Game Pass. Um did anybody else Janet, did you check out Somerville yet? Mm-mm. It's okay, you're I've forgiven. I played an hour of it. Okay. I was gone for a week, so that's that's why right. I haven't that's done right. anything <laughs> since I left. Uh yeah, I, I started it and was like, okay, it seems interesting, sure. And uh, then how far can you guys Tell me what happened. Like, like, did you get to the sort of inciting? Incident? I very much so, very much so. That okay. is the moment that, like, I'm in, I'm in the woods right now. Um, okay, great, but great. when that inciting incident happened, it's a it's an alien invasion story. Everybody, yes. And when that hits, 
it blew me back in my seat, Kyle. I was like, yes, oh, yeah. this is what I love. And then even like running through the woods and having beams of light from aliens sweeping through the woods and like this soundtrack and atmospheric sounds of just like trees groaning and moving. Like this is it. Just very yeah. War of the Worlds 2005 from Spielberg. I mean, there's a lot it's of even more Spielbergian. Really? Like yeah, it's definitely Close Encounters era Spielberg. Well, like, that's it. Yeah. I mean, even the opening of having like, you start out controlling a kid. Um, it's a family of three and a, and a little uh, cute puppy. And you start out controlling a kid wandering around this house as like lights outside. And it feels very Close Encounters. Like that scene where he's like, come through the door. That whole thing. It's, oh, my <laughs> yeah, God. Yeah. Uh, should I be as excited as I am based on this opening, Kyle? Or where does this thing end up? Yeah, I mean, if you like that opening, you're going to like the rest of the game. And okay. You should absolutely finish it, like, 100%. Um, my, uh, sh- my sort of criticism of the game are, are technical issues. Mm. There's, like, there's just little tech problems. Like, little animations that don't quite work and little puzzles that, like, didn't solve quite correctly. I had to restart some checkpoints and that kind of thing. But that being said, I have already played through Somerville three times. What? Like, I've, I've got I've beaten it three times. I started a fourth time. I've gotten all the achievements and everything. It's it's uh, it's this really just grounded alien invasion story from the perspective of this guy just trying to stay alive and like just move forward. And it's the art and the sound design is just really cool and impactful. And the ending is really strong. Ooh. Like it's. I really like it. I like it. Like it, but it, it is held back by some technical issues for sure. And it's such a bummer too, from coming from a, a genre or from being the spiritual successor to a game like Inside, which is one of the most rock solid games I've ever played in my life. Yeah. And to go for something that's like, oh, spiritually it feels so similar, but now I'm just I'm worried that the game's gonna break at any moment. That's, that's a it never fully breaks. I mean, it's yeah. just it's just that thing of like you might run into stuff where it's like I got to restart a checkpoint here, and the checkpoints okay. are friendly, right? And I know you, Ben, you're going to get annoyed by some puzzles. But they're um, hard. Just look them up. Just, no, I just, I, they're not. I just, I just know you. <laughs> well, <laughs> like, yeah. Okay. Just Google the solutions. Wow. Just let yourself see it to the end. No, if you there's get, no if shame. This is, this is what it looks like when you truly know somebody, Janet, is he's looking out for my stupidity. He's got my back. Look, I, 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 I text, I helped text your way through inside with you, you know, (laughs) and then it ended up with me loving that game. And I played through (laughs) the game like three times and I got to help my friends and seem like a genius. Like I know all these puzzles. I'll yeah. consult my um, text from Kyle. But truly like if you, that, that first moment, that first big explosive blast that like really made me jump genuinely because I had headphones on and the lights off and everything. Like if you're, if you're on board at that point, like it's, it's, you know, it, it doesn't really lose that momentum uh, to me anyway. I don't think it did. Oh, God, I love that. Leo, are you digging it so far? Yeah, I'm not really. I feel like I do need to try it lights off because mm. I feel like I'm bouncing off it for the same reason I didn't really vibe with inside. Ooh. Which I'm finding is just like the style is really distinct and I appreciate that for sure. But it's like so minimalist that it's hard for me to like get lost in it and forget that I'm mm. playing a game. It's like, I'm I constantly mean, thinking about the puzzle mechanics and stuff. I, yeah. You, I you know, the characters it. never talk and things like that. The music is really subdued. It doesn't quite create a soundscape, at least in the early parts. That's like a tone more than like gives you a soundtrack to listen to. Right? Yeah, exactly. Versus like Pentiment, e- even like, you know, you're just looking at a screen with a couple characters on it and some sheep and stuff, but it's like this really rich soundscape where you really feel like you're in that medieval town, you know? 
it's a bit more yeah, I mean, it, speaking of knowing you well, n- knowing you guys well, Leo, it, it it is very it's a very linear game. It's all about presentation. It's like it's just short of like being a short film almost or something like that, right? It's like in fact, like one of the things I talked about in, in my review is like I actually like immediately restarted it to sort of um have the best experience of the game if that makes sense because i knew all the solutions and everything so that when i played it the second time it could be this really smooth sort of story where i just like know what i'm doing and every the story executes correctly and i get the best version of it and i 100 percent recognize that that is that's something i get out of games that is not something leo gets out of games you know what um, how long is it um, I think like my first playthrough was about five hours just because okay. I was getting, you know, just figuring out puzzles and stuff like that. But like my the third playthrough where I really knew everything because I played it twice on PC and then when it launched on Xbox, I played it again on Xbox. That took me about three hours. Okay. Um, right on. So you can get through it if you know what you're doing. Did you appreciate the Shining reference for the intro? Um, is it? Um, just like the car shots, paper? just, just the wide shots of the, the car slowly driving into the location. Oh, I guess I'm just trying to give was, you crap for not seeing the shining. I think is no, but there was some, I, there's a game I played recently. Oh, you know what it was? I think it was Signalis. I think has the, um, the pattern of the uh, carpet, the carpet, I think yeah. I could be wrong about that. Yeah. yeah it's I the, sh- so I should watch the shining. You're telling me I watched the shining. <gasps> Did you Janet? Yeah. I what'd watched you, it what'd on you Halloween. think? How'd you do? I liked it. Do? I enjoyed it. Um, how long did it yeah. take you beat it? <laughs> you it was actually longer than I thought it would be. It was like over two hours. Yeah. And I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, what is this two VHS tape? Whatever the hell. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I enjoyed it. It was a lot different than I was expecting because like, I guess I went in thinking it would be like ridiculously scary. Yes. And it's more like unsettling creepy um and it was just fun for like the i think the cultural touchstone content of like okay this is this thing and it's weird watching something where you like like i know about the axe through the thing the here's johnny the simpsons has told you everything yeah well we watched trails of horror a little bit after and i was like oh this is trying to do that but i never like you know noticed the the through lines but yeah i thought it was (laughs) intriguing um some small beefs, but nothing oh, too crazy. Give me your biggest beef. Number one beef with The Shining. Okay, so beef. spoiler spoiler alert for The Shining. Yeah. Um, I thought it was weird that the guy, um, the head chef, who like came back in, who like right. can like see the future to some degree, gets like killed immediately. Like, wouldn't he see him around the corner? Like, it just doesn't. It's not adding up. Um, oh, interesting. So yeah. That's uh, spoilers for The Shining, everybody. Um, I love that. I love just that long build of him literally traveling across the country to be like, I need to help these people. And then he gets all the way to the hotel, then immediately, ah, axe right to the chest. And it's, I mean, The Shine is kind of a confusing power in general. I don't think he's like Daredevil and he can detect exactly where all people are at any point, right? But that's, that's sure, interesting. Sure, but like, it. it just seemed like... It, like when they showed that scene, I thought for sure they were going to cut back and be like, oh, that's him having a vision. But like, it oh, wasn't. I also, sure. I also feel like, like the, the like racism aspect didn't add to my understanding of the character as being like, oh, this guy's evil. Like when that dude like says the N word like three times, I'm like, if you want to paint him as racist, I guess it's fine. But like, it didn't enhance my understanding of the character. So I feel like it was an unnecessary characterization element. The, the Owen Grady thing, just dropping the N bombs in the bathroom and stuff. Yeah, and like I get like obviously I don't think that he's meant to be like a good character, but it just felt like it didn't add the dynamic that usually that kind of thing would add. So it felt superfluous. Mm. He's just evil, and now he's multiple layers of evil. 
Sure. It's like, going. oh, by the way, everyone's racist. And it's like, I guess. Yeah, was, but like, I don't yeah. know. We didn't need that in there. I feel it was like. the 70s. Anyway. Yeah, you know. Just, did anybody see Dr. Sleep, which Snake mentions in the Vaccine No, I, I want to. I just listened to Blank Check's episode about it, and I really want to watch it. People mention that. Um, I also think it's uh, The Shining was fun from like a like writer creative perspective because like me and my brother were really in, like pretty into it. Yeah. And like his wife and my boyfriend were kind of like, oh, I don't know, whatever. And, and it's like, it's because of the writing thing of like, yeah, man, you just be in there just working. Like it's brutal. I understand <laughs> wanting to go to a haunted uh, hotel just to get some time to write. That's where we should send Jeff. This book seems great. Yeah. Cool. That's oh the, my God. the overlook. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He can play a lot of games there. It'll be sweet. But it was fun. Like the buildup of the toxicity, the like madness, like it was, it was enjoyable. I think it's like well worth it. <laughs> no one's watch. ever said that sentence. I haven't seen The Shining. I've heard, I've heard a lot of criticism of it. Never heard the word fun. I think, <laughs> it used. is fun. It is genuinely fun. Like when they get to the hotel, it has a little bit of that kind of like, you know, uh, Day of the Dead, Dawn of the Dead style thing of like, oh, they're just in this giant hotel and they can do whatever they want. Like, a large chunk of that movie like some is full fun. Nudity in that movie, which I was not expecting, and I was like, "Whoa, this scene's going on for a long." And Kyle, time. it's primo nudity. You'll be really into exactly where oh, it goes. I'll it's watch super it up then. your alley. <laughs> uh, hey, also, Dr. I thought that scene was weird, right? He pulls up and he's like, "Let me just make out with this random woman yeah, from you know, this dub." Like, you know, men. Anyway. I, I want to say um, Doctor Sleep is a really fun watch. It's yeah. got some really great moments and some moments I thought were so stupid. Oh. That that together made it totally worth watching to talk about. And we should do a deepest dive on The Shining. Oh, God. I will I, say, I, I for, as far as Halloween content that I've missed for my whole life, I will say watching The Shining solidified my opinion that Beetlejuice is a really bad movie. Like, that movie oh, is not no. good. Okay, 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 Janet, okay! I'm Look, just, The Shining's I'm, a better movie just than leave Beetlejuice. on that note. Kyle, you can't leave. You need to stick around because I need you to hear about this fine stuff. Um, do you know how this whole thing operates, Kyle? Uh, ben, I, I really have like two minutes. I need to go. You're going to get through all this in two minutes? <laughs> Fine, Kyle. Just go. Just freaking go, man. Fine. I'm leaving. Leah, do you know how this whole thing operates? A little website. That's all I know. It is a little website. If you go to a bit.ly slash little website, it'll redirect you directly to patreon.com slash minmax with two ends, everybody. Thank you so much, everybody who goes there, finds the tier that's right for them. There's one waiting for you. You just have to know where to look. And by God, I know where that is. That is over on Patreon, everybody. And thank you to some of our biggest supporters, people like Mint Mobile, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, this holiday season, the best deal in wireless can only be found at Mint Mobile, they want you to know. Uh, right now, they say, when you switch to Mint Mobile and buy any three-month plan, you'll get another three months for free. As the first company to sell premium wireless service online only, Mint Mobile lets you order and activate from home with eSIM while saving tons on phone plans starting at $15 a month. Uh, in one of the meetings when I brought up the idea of Mint Mobile, Janet, you, you jumped across the table to say, I use it and it actually rules. Um, yeah, I love Mint Mobile. I use it in the Southern California area. Um, it, I don't want to misspeak, but it runs on the same towers as another company. Ben, you can look into what the company is as I finish this up. All right. um, so it really feels like it's one-to-one -one with a lot of services that you're used to, a service that you may even have. And what I like most about it is just how cheap the plans are. Like I have like unlimited data for like way less than I had at like my previous company. And you can like pay it 
in advance, like you can pay like the whole year off. So like right now I don't have like a month to month um, phone bill. Like I'm just kind of putting the money aside and then I can pay it off whenever I want uh, as cool refer a friend features. And uh, also the logo is adorable. It's like a little little fox, which is super cute. cute. And yeah, I've just loved like having the no bill life. Um, I finally paired that as well with um, People in chat are saying the T-Mobile network. Mm. Um, I finally paired that with also paying off my phone. So I kind of did them both at the same time. And I feel like it's just freed up a lot of continuous stress of having um, that just kind of in the back of my head and on on my plate. So yeah, I've been really happy with the service. I pretty much recommend it to everyone, um, especially people that I know that are in the area because I can speak to this. Like, I think my service is super high quality. I don't yeah. have any beefs with connectivity or anything like that. So yeah, love it. Yeah. Hey, look at that. 15 bucks a month, everybody. Uh, and they say that now is the best time because you can buy any three month plan to get three months for free and yeah. you can use your own phone. You just got to swap out the eSIM card, all that fun stuff. So you can switch to Mint Mobile and get premium wireless service starting at just $15 a month for a limited time. If you buy any three-month Mint Mobile plan, you get three more months free by going to mintmobile.com slash minmax. There's a link below. Mintmobile.com slash minmax. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash minmax, everybody. Also, thank you to our fine friends over there at iMateBit. They want everybody to know about the Cuphead Collector's Edition, which is available in their store and like all good things in the iMateBit online store. This thing looks cool. It's an iMateBit exclusive. It comes with an eight inch tall handcrafted Cuphead marionette. That is a word you don't see very often, Leo, but you should. It's fully puppetable. <laughs> So nice. if you're interested in a fully puppetable Cuphead marionette, check that out, please. And they That's say, awesome. what's that? Sensational interior artwork. Don't mind if I do. There's a lot of goodies in this thing. So check it out if you're looking for some good holiday shopping for a gamer in your life or just somebody that likes anything cool. You can check out iMateBit's wonderful online store and you can use the promo code CORNBREADCASSEROLE cornbread casserole for 10% off everything under $100. No space, Leo, and cornbread casserole. I know what you're thinking. Don't even think about it, man. Is this the first space in a promo code ever? I was thinking. <laughs> <laughs> There's, uh, yeah, uh, info below for all the stuff and links. Uh, but help iMateBit out because they support MinMax in a big way by shipping out a prize each and every week to the MinMax community. And this week, whoever has the best question from the community submitted over there on Patreon will win Sonic Colors, the vinyl soundtrack. Everybody's in a Sonic Moo this time of year. Uh, so you can win the Sonic Colors vinyl soundtrack thanks to i8bit. All you gotta do is have the best question of the week. All right, y'all ready to go? Yeah. Well, we yeah. can't do it alone. I hear somebody coming and it's not Sonic. <laughs> Nolan, ladies and gentlemen, welcome, sir. Hello, how's it going? Really well, thanks for being here. You were the generous donor during Extra Life who said, you know what, I'm gonna take that slot on the MinMax show. Um, walk us through your process. Did you go into that stream knowing you were going to donate to charity in such a huge way? Uh, yeah, I've done this uh, a couple of times the last couple of years. I've been on the Game Informer show. I've been on uh, all things Nintendo, so. Oh, God, you really? Know, I was like, this is, yeah, this is a... Uh, I just love hanging out with people and it's going to a great cause and happy yeah. to help out. Right on. Um, what'd you think about the extra live stream? What, uh, what was your favorite and what was your least favorite part and what can we do better and all that fun stuff? <laughs> it was extremely chaotic, which is okay. a compliment. Oh, thank you. Um, See, Janet? Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes having a messy podcast is a good thing. Uh, yeah, no, I think uh, my favorite part was... Uh, let's see, there's so many, but I think I just loved seeing all the, the wishes that people were coming up with that 
completely derailed everything every three minutes. So yeah, that was exciting. Was that? Um, do you think it was too much? Because we had a, we had a magic lamp, and people could donate fifty bucks to charity and make any wish come true. And I was just in love with some of those wishes that I never could have imagined. Didn't have to prompt in any way. But do you think it worked out well? Should we do it? Try it again next year too. I think it did work out well. I was a little bit nervous because I think in past years you've prepared a little bit more for what the the zaniness is going to be. Right. Um, but I think when you've got, you know, a good community, then it, it all works out. Yeah, people will surprise us. And like, I love that somebody wished for like Leo and Sarah to play Spore. And it's like, oh, we can put that new show plus and then it ended up winning. And then I think it was like a fun <laughs> stream. It's like, I just love, you know, that kind of fun improv with the community like yeah we'll do that and now this might be our longest running new show plus show <laughs> who the hell knows it all came from a yeah. $50 donation to charity um, but we have a bunch of questions from the community if you're okay answering those Nolan absolutely they're all Let's extremely uh, personal and private so I hope you're ready for this um, Adam Castellanos writes in and says hey who gave you your first beer this is uh, for everybody does everybody remember their first beer is this a distinct memory for the group did we all have uh, the yeah. same one what'd you do Leo I- I remember my dad giving me a sip of his beer after a canoeing trip when I was probably like seven or eight. It's just a sip. And I remember really wanting to pretend I liked it. <laughs> and like look adult, even though I thought it was disgusting. Yeah. Did you like keep trying to sip it? What is that? How, why do we learn to enjoy the taste of beer as we get older? Are we just, is it sophistication incarnate or stupidity incarnate? Uh, there's a dopamine release that happens as you get drunk and you probably get addicted to that. Is that what that and is? Used to the flavor. <laughs> oh, I see. I see. <laughs> oh, I, no. I mean, I, I know people. I think they're out of their minds. People insist that they just like the taste of beer. Yeah. Are you one I of those people? You were one of those people, Jenna? Yeah. Well, I do now. When I first drank it, I didn't. Oh, I didn't hate it. But um, mine was um, my college friend, um, Sam Caldwell, gave me my first beer it was, I think, a blue moon. Me and my other roommate had the first beer at the same time. He's like, what do you think? And I'm like, it's okay. It's like a little, it's like a little gross, but it's not like disgusting to me. Um, I think blue moon's also a very tame, solid Perfect. first beer choice because it's like pretty drinkable for as far as beers go. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, normally we don't, people don't like the bitterness. It's kind of like the coffee thing to me. Like mm. there's a bitterness to coffee. And that's why some people will say, I hate it. It's nasty. I only drink like, you know, really sugary coffee or I don't drink coffee at all. Um, yeah, like I love hops. Like I love a good hoppy beer. I love like I've had a sour phase. I like went Sweet through many permutations phase. of of beers. But yeah, I love beer. Yeah, I think I was in um, I was in West Yellowstone. My sister used to work at like a little lake resort out there on Hebgen Lake. And, uh, and I was out there visiting. I was probably like 12 or something like that. And I remember they had beer in the little store and I got a fat tire beer and like drank that. Mm. I was like, okay, this seems like a cool way to, to kick off a long career of drinking beer. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Nolan, do you remember yours? Uh, I do. Um, so first off, I'm, I'm from a beer family. So my dad's got a brewery. My brother's a, a brewmaster. Wow. Uh, I've got cousins who are brewers, things like that. So I'm also someone who likes the taste of beer. Uh, but actually, earlier this year, uh, I was talking about this with some of my cousins. And we had the realization that we all had the same answer. Uh, and that is when we were kids, uh, our uncle gave us a beer at like a family event. I'm um, probably like six or seven years old. 
And you pass so, it around to all the cousins? <laughs> no, these are separate occasions is the thing. What? This so is we were like, oh move? my gosh, like this, yeah, this man is a menace. He's corrupting <laughs> <laughs> dozens of cousins. <laughs> all right. Yeah, that seems all right. Uh, do you still like beer? Do you ever get sick of it? If like your whole family is just leaning into it that hard? Uh, I still like beer. And yeah, especially when I go back to Minnesota, there's a lot of beer drinking. So there we go. Yeah. Uh, my uh, partner and I keep non-alcoholic beer around primarily because I we like the taste of it. And mainly because oh, yeah. we like, you know, it, it goes well with a meal sometimes. You just want a beer. But sometimes, I don't know, at my certain age, when I drink a beer, especially two beers, but honestly one beer, I wake up at 2 a.m. and need to urinate. In addition to other like weird little tummy upset problems that I just don't need to sign up for, you know? And non-alcoholic beer, you, you don't have to wake up and urinate from that? No. I'll be damned. Uh, Will James writes in and says, Hey everybody, how do you feel about anti-spoiler culture? Well, having things not spoiled is nice. I think it was a bit ridiculous how much of the pre-release discussion reviews for God of War nearly all outlets felt the need to go out of their way with no spoilers. I promise we won't even talk about what kind of soil Kratos walks on in the game. <laughs> um, I feel like some people have really blown out what a spoiler is and blown it out of proportion. Well, I disagree because I'm one of the champions of let's keep this as spoiler-free as possible <laughs> for, for big story games in particular. But Janet, do you feel like we were, we were too tight for God of War stuff? No, I mean, I understand where people are coming from, where you want, like, maybe more information. But I do think once you kind of break that seal, you kind of got to go all in. So I, I think that's where spoiler casts are great. You know, y'all are doing the deepest dive. Yeah. Another uh, awesome way to consume content on that game. Um, and then, frankly, I think there's always going to be reviewers who are like, hey, mild spoilers or or whatever. Like, people have different lines. So I, I do understand wanting more. But at the same time, it is such a story-driven game. Um and a lot of it would, I think, ruin the yeah. initial original experience of it. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think it's good to err on the side of caution. Um, I think sometimes audiences are a little harsh on people spoiling things, specifically like, oh, I can't believe like I know I still get sometimes on podcasts like, wow, y'all really just spoiled Last of Us 2. And I'm like, and I know it's only been out for like a year or two. And some Me people haven't played it. But I'm like, look, I can't we can't do this with every single thing all the time. But I think right. certainly for a review being spoiler safe has its place. Yeah, I mean, from our perspective, it is wild to see, as somebody who's very spoiler cautious, just how much you get screamed at for absolutely anything. Like I said at some point, like, yeah, I don't want to spoil God of War Ragnarok, let's not uh, go into a please. And somebody, I, I know, please forgive me for pointing out, somebody yelled at me on the internet, it's the worst thing to hear on a podcast. <laughs> but like, yeah, somebody was up my butt for being like, oh, you said that you can easily spoil God of War. Now I know something big happens, like Last of Us Part Two. It's like, I, I hadn't even played the game yet. I'm just saying I don't want spoilers. So even saying no spoilers, people are I taking as a spoiler. spoiler. I will say I hate the spoiler tea. It's like, this happens to me sometimes when I'm streaming, which streaming always is a risk of spoilers. Yeah. But like, I'll like make a comment and then someone will be like, oh, well, don't you worry. I I'm like, that. man, I you know, that. like I, I could tell yep. that you're... So I'm definitely a bit more spoiler sensitive than some people, right. but I don't know. You live your life. Yeah, which reminds me, I want to talk to you offline, Janet, about some God of War stuff. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's always now good to I be... know something's interesting. <laughs> it's an interesting game. <laughs> you can say words about it. Uh, <laughs> I, I, um, I don't think being the most cautious about it is necessarily the best way to go about it. I certainly think it's best to like be upfront and say whether you're going to talk about stuff yeah, or not. Yeah. But I think it does get to a point where it can hurt the conversation sometimes right. when you can't even 
talk about what makes a game special. You just have to say, like, trust me, it's good. Yeah. Stanley Parable <laughs> Ultra Deluxe. Uh, yeah, it, it goes yes. back to, like, you know, the, the Game of the Year debates from two years ago that we had before we did. Like, last year, I think we hit that right balance of, like, okay, we're going to talk about spoilers, but we're going to give clear time codes below for we're going to be spoiling this game from this chunk to this chunk, you know? Yeah, for sure. But and I but it's like so many of those spoilers are the reason I play a game, you know? Yeah. I didn't realize it was that interesting. Right, right. Yeah, it's a fine line. Uh, I think there's maybe too much emphasis put on the first time you're playing through a game. Hmm. Right. And saying, you know, this is the best experience you're gonna have with it is the first time not knowing what's gonna happen. Where I don't know, I like to play re- replay games all the time and and it's still good. what happens doesn't ruin the game for me. So yeah, that was... said, I, you know, have kind of gone media blackout on the Pokemon leaks. So oh, <laughs> yeah, well, to see what happens in two days. Because it's fun to see the evolutions and not know what's coming. Like that one, mm-hmm. I, I totally get where people might be like, who cares about the story of Pokemon game? But it's like, it's fun to have like an evolving starter and you literally have no idea what this thing is going to be. That's, that's I know, part but of the it's thrill. scary because I'm like, what if they mess up the cat again? Because they always do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, quit yeah. making it stand up. I'm also of two minds about it because it's like, I, I'm sure there are moments that would be more impactful hearing why it resonated with someone than experiencing myself. You know, but also when I'm at the movie theater and there are trailers for a movie, I know I'm going to see and want to see. I close my eyes. Oh, <laughs> like <laughs> movie trailers are too much spoilers for me. Uh, so I'm not all the way one way on. Do it. you still hear it all though happening? Like you hear I the my ears. I try to like. I was oh, really? at Draft House recently. I was like reading the menu to, to distract my mind. So you start screaming, just anything you can do to try and drown out the sound. Smart. Yeah, I used to call someone on the That's phone. That's what that sound was. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Ricky Winterborn writes in and says, Do y'all like gear stats and numbers in your story games like Ragnarok or The Last of Us Part Two approach with more streamlined progression and less to noodle with? I've heard people complain that God of War has too much going on, but personally it makes me more invested in the combat. Uh, I remember Last of Us Part Two. I never really cared about the weapons and skills. I was just mainlining the story, so it felt like less of a video game to me. Yeah, or even like Spider-Man, I guess, with a little progression and stuff in there. Do you like you like stats like that, Janet? Yeah, I like seeing the numbers go up. Yeah, even in story it makes, games. It makes my little lizard brain go, like, I love it. I love it. Um, yeah, like, I enjoy, because, like, I, I think it's funny to call, like, those games story games. I mean, the story is very, like, well-present, and it's good. So, like, but it's still, it's still a combat-focused, running-around, brawler-ass game, like God yeah. of War, to use that as the example. Um, and for me, like, I love stuff like that because it allows me to never really improve as a player. I, I know some people really want, like, I want the challenge. <laughs> no, no, no. I want to, like, in God of War 2018, there was a, a runic ability that basically was like an ice beam shot out of your axe. And it was like you had ice gun. I got that thing. I maxed it out and I rode it till the wheels fell off. <laughs> I was beaming through things. And some may say I had a lesser experience because of it, but I loved it. I live for that stuff. So I like that games kind of it feels like a direct reward of like, hey, I'm going to play thoroughly and I'm going to be rewarded with having like an easier time getting through the combat or just more tools at my you know disposal because of my curiosity and I, I enjoy that flow so yeah i like that stuff i can't think of a lot of games that are like story forward but also have that that i've really played and gotten into i think most of the games that have both i consider primarily like gameplay games like yeah. assassin's creed odyssey i didn't really care about the story or anything but um what is your status on ragnarok any chance you check it out I have three friends who also didn't like the first one, and they all love the new one. So I do want to try it. All right. I, I, 
I don't think I'll. I'm not super optimistic, but I definitely definitely worth trying. Yeah. Uh, Tanner Methven writes in and says, "Hey crew, we now know uh, we uh, we know them now as the Game Awards, but ten years ago was the last time they were called the Spike Video Game Awards. This is 2012. So I have a simple game to act as a quick refresher. I name a category. You guess who won for the 2012 Spike Video Game Awards? Nolan, do you remember watching these? I do. Yeah. Okay." But- all right, I so don't know if I remember what games came out in 2012. Let's all... Yeah, we love to Google that. Absolutely that a... not, Janet. I literally only remember <laughs> right. because of, like, Giant Bomb Game of the Year. Stuff. Yep. Ooh, okay. Game of the Year for Spike Video Game Awards 2012. Does anybody got a guess, then? Here's a hint. Uh, oh, oh, Can we get the options after we fail? Can we try to do a guess and then they get don't the, even They don't the even list choice? the nominees. Tanner's a, a, oh. a cruel, cruel person. Leo, what do you think? That wasn't the Mass Effect 3 year, was it? It wasn't, but Mass Effect 3 did come out 2012. So 2012, it was Mass Effect 3, and then there was this game that... It was kind of an underdog. Um, is a little... It's a little jank, but it had a lot of heart. And it was definitely one when it won Game of the Year. It was like, whoa, okay. It was, it was, it was a head-turner for the Spike Video Game Awards when this happened. Um, had a lot of heart. A lot of people cried when they played it. Um, no, great guess. Also earlier? 2012. Mm. No, that's also 2012. That's a great guess. Mm. Um, but not that. Think more story-based, episodic, dare I say. Oh, Walking Dead. Walking Dead from Telltale, oh. one game of the year. Uh, best graphics <laughs> for 2012. This one, actually, this is correct. I'm, this game was released on the 360, and I think it still looks ridiculously good for the 360. Late generation 360 game. Iconic Xbox title. The uh, icon of Xbox themselves. A Halo game? A, the answer is a Halo game. <laughs> Halo 4. Yeah, Halo 4. Oh, of that. Uh, best performance by a human male was how they determined that in 2012. Um, boy, <laughs> this is an interesting choice. It's, um, it's a character that I guess people thought was funny. In 2012, Dan Riker gave the game that they're Patrick? in a 975. Great guess. Very close, but not quite. Leo, would you, did you say something I missed? I said Wheatley. Oh, no, no, no. That's uh, 2011. Get your head out of your butt. I thought was funny. Is, is, is the humor like gross in body then? Um, I think so. He's kind of a jerk is the... Um, but not Claptrap. No. It was close to right? close to Very, very, uh, very close. The guy from... Uh, Bulletstorm? No, like closer than that even. Like in the same universe and world and game as Claptrap. Handsome Jack? Handsome Jack. Uh, oh. Damon Clark uh, won there. And then uh, Character of the Year. Who do you think won that? 2012. <laughs> uh Janet? Claptrap won Character oh, of the yeah. Year wow. in wow. 2012. I can't believe I 360 no-scope <laughs> that question. That is wild. Congratulations. Uh, thanks, Tanner. Uh, Super Mediocre Man says, Hey, uh, I have to say, Return to Monkey Island is my game of the year. But here's the thing. I've never played a Monkey Island game before. But this one captivated me with its creative art, compelling themes, and clever tip system. I'm not even nostalgic for classic adventure games. I was born after their heyday. What pieces of media do you admire despite their dated design and releasing before your time? I was admiring Spore. Playing that on oh, your show. <laughs> isn't that cool? 
That game felt super ahead of its time. How so? That would be a killer indie game right now. The, yeah. the way it's so uh, creative, the way you're building your own little guy and you don't even really get how it works, like how it's smart enough to have all these different animations for all these completely different body types. Yeah, and it's making it all symmetrical, like as you're laying that out and you can like, I remember like what, run the mouse wheel on the different vertebra to like change the size of that. I mean, just that character creator alone out of the gate is like, that is yeah. years of work to try and hone it's, that thing. It's weirdly procedural in a way that felt ahead of its time. And the gameplay of the first phase is like straight up Agario, that web game where you're the circle that eats the other mm. circle. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I watched bits and pieces of that. And you said that like you started it back in the day, but never made it out of the the cellular phase or whatever. Yeah, I remember it's at friends' houses mm. using the character creator. Yeah, yeah. You probably made genitalia too. I, I know what you're into. It's spore stuff. Absolutely, absolutely not. Okay, good. Thank you. Uh, and we also have one that's before their day, but still clicked with them for some reason. I mean, I want to say like the great abstract painters like uh, You don't need to say that. You do, no, <laughs> no. But the, the real answer is Clue the movie. Correct. Yeah. <laughs> the true art of our still time. Still funny. Still great. I've never seen Clue. I, I, but every time I've heard it brought up over the last 10 years, everyone's like, Clue holds up. Clue rules, actually. So it's it's probably time I just freaking watch Clue. Maybe I should do like a double header and watch that right before. Is it Glass Onion? Is that the um, Knives Out successor? Is that what that's called? Mm-hmm. Okay, maybe that'd be a good double whammy. You have to watch the movie and then play the game. Right. And then play the VHS Clue game that Bob Beyond the Community is obsessed with. These are the rules, <laughs> I think. <laughs> Uh, Neil Smith says, hey, if Leo Vader could spend 10 minutes talking nonstop about the freelancer mode uh, technical test in Hitman 3, <laughs> I'd be so happy. <laughs> what would he say? <laughs> <laughs> um, it's awesome. I, I, you're, y'all are lucky that didn't come out this year because I would be talking about it nonstop for two tens. Oh, great. Well, we have but it next that'll year. be next year instead. Yeah. Yeah. Because this is the rogue mode thrown into Hitman. Is that the easy pitch? That is the easy pitch. They have so much content in that game, and I think they have struggled a little bit to get the most use out of it. All these characters on these 20 gigantic levels have their own paths and routines, and that makes it fun for getting their disguises to do other things in the levels, or featured contracts where people are like, you kill this dude this way, and you try to replicate it, and it's like, oh yeah, they have this path where they go on to the chandelier or whatever. But that stuff, the progression isn't really there to get you to do those featured contracts. It's there, but it's bare bones. And... It feels like it has unlimited potential that hasn't fully been capitalized, and this is them capitalizing on it. It's like we have taken unlimited content and made unlimited game out of it. (laughs) And in addition to having the safe house, which you're upgrading, and the weapon wall you're building, all of those elements being like the best progression the game has ever had. Like you have to fall in love with it besides progression reasons at this point. You have to fall in love with the fun of playing it by itself. But this mode, people will get hooked on because the progression is so good in addition to it being so fun. That's what is it to the level of like, if you go back to play Hitman now, it's just going to be that mode once it, re- once it releases in January. Is that just like new default Hitman in your mind? It probably will be till I 100% it. But yeah, it's it's not at all been like, oh, I played that and now I'm like, I may as well just wait for it. Now it's like every time I play that game, I'm practicing mentally for freelancer. Like I'm learning things about the levels that I'm locking away. Oh, that's fun. Do it with higher stakes, which is what freelancer is. There's like no saving or anything. You're losing access to stuff when you lose out on campaigns. That's fun. Is it worth another streaming session with Dan Riker or something? You think it'd work well for that? Maybe. It's more just kind of make your own fun or make your own progress. Not really a challenge thingy. Harder to challenge each other to do specific stuff, but I think it is a really fun thing to stream. Yeah, right on. 
Uh, Chandler writes in with a very important, very smart question. Nolan, look alive. Here we go. Is spaghetti the funniest food for someone to accidentally drop? Incorrect. <laughs> okay. What would you go with, Nolan? Jello. Gelatin Gel- dessert. Gel- like a big, mm. like high stacked gelatin dessert, like triple mm-hmm. layer gelatin thingy. Yeah. Because it wiggles more. I used more. to uh, <laughs> compete in jello sculpting competitions. What? And uh, let me tell you, they, <laughs> uh, they're pretty funny when they fall over. Did you like take a chainsaw to it? Or what are you sculpting it with? Uh, I mean, you do a lot of molds. Uh, oh. That's, you know, one of the nice things. But then, yeah, you like can build it up and, and do all sorts of weird things with it. What did you make it like things that we would recognize? Did you make Batman or something? <laughs> uh, I uh, once made the uh, Winter Ice Palace from the uh, Minnesota, you know, Winter Festival. Oh, iconic. Cool. Oh, wow. That's, all right. Yeah, because I think, well, Jello and spaghetti, it's to similar. <laughs> yeah. And then you lived <laughs> uh, in it for a year. Yeah, basically. Yeah, I could <laughs> live in it. So. <laughs> but uh, you need you need the floppiness. You need like the extra wiggly. And spaghetti, it's like there's a lot of dynamics there. So I think that works. And jello, it's got there's a lot to look at, and the more there is moving, the funnier it is. Is that the easy solution? It's like, I think so. I think it's about taking, you know, small actions and they get exaggerated. Right, so right. Spaghetti does that, jello does that, there might be something else. Yeah. I will say you sharing that anecdote of like, oh, it's jello, and then going into like I do jello sculpting competitions, I immediately in my mind started visualizing people dropping their life's work of jello <laughs> slowly in slow motion. And like I was waiting for you to be like, I literally only do these competitions to watch people drop their jello creations. <laughs> yeah, I just come up behind people and push them while they're, they're carrying their mm-hmm. jello sculpture up. Yeah. Well, your name is Calamity Nolan for a reason, man. Um the chili thing from the office was pretty hilarious. So the chili was the first thought I had. Okay. But it's a little sad though because that's so messy. I, I I do feel bad about staining when it comes to people dropping food. That is true. What about like a tray of drinks? Is that funny? If they're like plastic Ooh, cups. Oh, no, it's awful. <laughs> plastic cups. Oh. I, I have spilled a tray of drinks. Ooh. How was At it? a catering job, it was like my first time carrying a tray oh, no. of champagne flutes oh, and trying to open a door no. while carrying them. I lost like three of them. Oh. How many people laughed? It was kind of between the kitchen and the area. There's a big gap between, so nobody saw, except for the people who, of course, saw my shame as I returned to the kitchen immediately after leaving. Oh, God. Did you want to uh, cry? Like little tear yeah. in the eye? Like 20% tears? What level of tears were you at? Yeah, 15, 20%. 15, 20%. That sounds about right. Brutal. God, did I tell you about that time where um, my girlfriend at the time had like a work party and I went to it, it was like at a bowling alley and we're all sitting around as like a secret Santa thing and I was just talking and apparently my hands were flailing and I was nervous and stuff and I tipped over a full beer in front of like her entire office party and I felt like such a goober. And you then, did mention this story. Yeah, and then 45 minutes later I spilled another full beer. <laughs> And I was not drunk. It was like, you know, my, yeah. basically the two beers I had, I put them all on the table and it's just like, God, it's just nothing worse. Embarrassing my girlfriend now. All of her coworkers think I'm just King Goober, which I am, but they didn't need to know that, you know, it's just the worst. That's I also point. spilled a full a full beer like I was talking and then I'm it I even like I spilled it actually directly onto my lap too so it was like really awful and then like uh, it was at a restaurant so like then you know I'm trying to like fix it cuz like I hate making people do well, one, their job or two, more of their job that they didn't need to do if I didn't mess up. Like, yeah. the, I hate doing that. I'm like, 
how can I make this easy for you? Like, I don't want, I'm like trying to clean up for the server's notice. And I'm like, no, don't help me. <laughs> like, I'll just do it myself. <laughs> um, I think the funniest foods to drop are the ones that in general, dropping anything is made more amusing when you end up juggling it on the way down. Yeah. So I think it's like, oh, the pancakes slide off and the hands are like hitting it or something. Like whenever that happens, that's the slower, the more slow motion and multiple falls it can take. The yeah, funnier it is. You just see the heart of eggs, maybe right. So you're, you've got, you're trying to catch Those them all, but rough. then you keep missing them, and then mm -hmm. you know, it just keeps happening. They splatter all yep. over the place. That is good. Yeah. Uh, Mick, uh, oh, my yeah. my uh, partner gives me crap about this still. Not too long ago, we were inebriated hanging out. Uh, we opened the fridge door, and a giant Costco sixty-four ounce ketchup fell off the kitchen door <laughs> yeah. and she tried to catch it on the way down and hit hit her forearm so bad that it bruised for like days it was so big and heavy and she gives me crap because immediately after it i didn't really notice that she was in so much pain and she looked over and i was like cradling the ketchup like a baby to make sure it, was, <laughs> it hadn't been hurt <laughs> well, the ketchup was That's fine good. right Okay, uh, Mick Manga writes in and says, Hey, hope you all are having a good day. We are now, Mick. Um, I'm convinced that Square Enix might just think 2022 is the year of the JRPG. So I compiled a list of all of their games. The question is, can the Minmax crew name them all? I mean, this is this is ultimate trivia. Janet, I feel like you would... Uh, Nolan, are you into JRPGs? Uh, yeah, I am. All right, okay. Let's see just as a group how many Square Enix JRPGs from 2022 we can name Lob something out. Let's see how we do. Did that Final Fantasy Origins? It did. Game come out this it year? did. Yeah. Great All call. Right. Yeah, Final Fantasy Origins: Stranger of Paradise. That's in there. Um, this is tough. Not not Octopath. The other one, Triangle Strategy. Triangle, Triangle Strategy. Strategy. Great call. Great call. That was the first of the year. Correct. Um, this one's impossible. Voice of Cards: The Forsaken Maiden <laughs> was kind of the expansion to that Voice of Cards game. They had. Does anyone remember the name of that game where? Oh god, it had like a weird name. It's like was did they make that life game? It's yep. like every live, day live is made alive. up. Yeah. Well, no, well, Live Alive's on there. Yep. Live the alive. other yeah, the other life game though, Janet, you're onto it. Various mm. day life. Various day <laughs> yes. life. Uh, yeah. And completely. it has like a quajillion tasks to do every day. And mm -hmm. people were like, who would want this? And then some people are like, I would want this. And yeah, I don't know. I think it has mixed reviews on Steam. I don't know. Uh there was a remaster of an old PS1 JRPG we did the deepest dive on. Uh, Chrono Trigger. Cross, but damn close, Nolan. Cross. We'll take oh, yes. it. We'll take Chrono it. Cross. You know, I was, I've been on a nostalgia kick recently, revisiting some old Game Informer podcasts from when we were all in the studio. Yeah. During like 2018, 2019. Some of the best years of my life. Wow. And you mentioned Chrono Cross and you said, I've always thought about revisiting it, but I think I, it might be better just living in my mind and listening to the soundtrack and getting nostalgic. <laughs> yep. Yep. Do you stand by that? Um... No, I had a Pretty really good time going back to it. I'm really glad I played through that. I mean, it did derail me from Elden Ring, so, you know, who's laughing now? But, uh, yeah, I, 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 I hear where I'm coming from in the past, but I <laughs> respectfully disagree because I had a good time with the deepest dive. Um, hey, we got more, everybody. I mean, these are <laughs> this is going to be tough to go through these. One of them's coming out in December, Janet. You played it at a preview event. It's a remaster of oh, a yeah. PSP game. Final Fantasy... Um, 
six nope, reunion nope, nope, nope. tour. <laughs> yeah, sure. Crisis Core, Final Fantasy VII reunion. Um, okay, these oh, seven. I was like, how many sevens can there be? Is it like, can't you only have one seven? Like, anyway. But yeah, we talked about it a little bit last week, but truly Square Enix is out of their minds this year because also Dio Field Chronicle, Valkyrie Elysium, ah, yeah. Harvestella, Star Ocean, the Divine Force, Tactics Ogre Reborn, Romancing Saga, Minstrel Song, and Dragon Quest Treasures. All those games Square released this year. Somebody must like these RPGs. Please take them. Take as many as possible. It's mind-boggling. Um, Spencer Bertine writes in and says, Hello, CLCs and our esteemed community member, Nolan. Thank you for your donation, Nolan. Uh, Nintendo hey. gave a quarterly financial report to investors this week and provided an interesting tidbit from Miyamoto talking about backwards compatibility. He says, In the past, we provided a service known as the Virtual Console that allowed users to play older video games on new consoles with newer hardware. As long as the hardware remained unchanged, those games could continue to be played. However, the development environment has increasingly become more standardized, and we now have an environment that allows players to enjoy older video games on newer consoles more easily than ever before. Nintendo's strength is in creating new video game experiences, so when we release new hardware in the future, we would like to showcase unique video games that could not be created with pre-existing hardware. What are your thoughts on this? Does this more or less confirm that future Nintendo hardware will abandon the Switch software and start fresh like every generation? Do I just need to hoard every Nintendo console I ever purchase? Yes. Why must Nintendo punish us? Um, yeah, because <laughs> we stay anyway. Yep, we can't get enough. And they like of this to be stuff. different for the sake of just being different. Yeah, it would make no sense for them to not go forward with the Switch as kind of their flagship thing, and that's exactly why they're going to do it. Whatever that's you think Nintendo's good. doing, they're doing the opposite. Yep, absolutely. Also, it's it's funny to think though of Nintendo as being like the console that's like, surely we need to take advantage of our new hardware. It's like this little rinky dink thing I've been lugging around since like 2017 that can barely like display a single pixel this is like the pinnacle of <laughs> god forbid we sully the high fidelity we're working with here um yeah yeah i uh nolan if you had to predict it do you think switch successor will be able to play switch games on it it'll carry a library over in any way uh well i think yes i think they're they're gonna have kind of a a rolling backwards compatibility like they've done with some of the game boys where you know it can play maybe the immediate previous the Game Boy game. Color style thing, yeah, kind of thing. But it'd be interesting. But yeah, I think they're trying to curtail that pretty aggressively, uh, which is a shame because the Wii U still has like the best library uh, for the Virtual Console. Yeah, uh, and that makes it like a really great uh, console to play on still. Uh, even though they're shutting that down now. Yeah, well, Derek writes in uh, on that topic. They say, this week, November 18th specifically, marks the 10th anniversary of the release of the Wii U. While it had some wonderful games and unique features, it's one of Nintendo's biggest commercial failures, and many would attribute that failure to its name. What would you have named the Wii U to give it a better chance at success? I do wonder how much of it comes down to the name. I, uh -huh. I think that's too simplistic, but no doubt it confused the world, so... All right, Leo, what do we I got? Think oh, no, I have yes. a theory, sorry, real quick, that yeah. it's not the name, uh, although that contributed to it, but the moment that it failed was uh, when Rayman Legends, yeah, uh, within the launch window, like six months after launch, uh, decided to not be an exclusive anymore and then release on everything. That's that right. Year. I forgot that's about that. that's when all of the third-party support pulled out, uh, and all of a sudden, nobody was going to buy it anymore. Yeah, I, I think that's interesting. I forgot about that big moment of, yeah, that it wasn't going to be exclusive anymore with Rayman Legends. It was a game that was done and shipping and like the week before. They were right. like, nope. 
Well, I think the reason they nope, though, is because sales out of the gate were not as strong as they expected. So I think it might have been damned even without uh, the kiss of death from our buddy Rayman. Um, <laughs> I, but, man, if you had the juggernaut that was the Wii, like, that is a tough thing to let go of. I know everyone bashes the Wii U name. I don't hate it. And it's like, that. that is tough. That is a tough thing to leave behind if the sales are so good to just, like, start something completely new with no connection to Wii whatsoever. But obviously, it didn't help. It's easy in hindsight to say that it seemed like a spin-off of the Wii to people. I yeah. Like that's what the problem was. But yeah, I can see it that the plan is like, yeah, it's a successor to the Wii. It has this new element. They didn't anticipate how confusing that would be. Yeah. The Wii 2. Really? Wii 2. Wii 2. Could call it Nintendo Switch. It's successful. Guaranteed hit. Nintendo Switch. That's yeah, right. They, but yeah, they should have positioned it as a successor to the DS, right? It's got two screens. Call it the Super DS. Super DS. DS. That's right. DS Wii U. DS. Yeah. Yeah. Like everything's there. Totally. Because um, it's a tough. Wii DS to... sounds even more like a spinoff, though. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it it would well. I guess what's the logic behind it being called Wii again? Isn't there like, do the eyes stand for something or something? I'm wondering if there's well, the like a eyes, way that the eyes stand for the Wiimotes, I think is the idea. Like, I'm wondering what, I guess that's what the U was. It's kind of like the gamepad, right? Like, I just wonder what they could have called it that would have captured the essence of the Wii U without realizing what the Wii U would be. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like we know it now as like, like, you know, you mentioned Noah, like a great virtual library, like some fantastic games that are now like not being ported, but, you know, being copy pasted over into, you know, switch skews and stuff. But yeah. like before that, it was that idea of, Almost like what the Switch has, but not quite. And I guess there's not a great way to sum that up, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause especially because it, it was fully backwards compatible. You could play every Wii game you had on it. So it kind of was a Wii in that sense. Yeah. Wii Ultimate? Wii That's just Wii U longer. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can't... It's tough because you can't call it like Nintendo on the go or anything like that because like, well, it was kind of on the go for like a eight feet from yeah, the TV. Exactly. It was on the go when someone at your house was like, I am so tired of you monopolizing this TV. Mm-hmm. You go play on your dinky little screen while I watch The Bachelor or whatever the hell was on the TV at the time. Remember you could hit the TV button and like control the TV on the on the Wii U? That was cool. Um, that I think was cool. I think that what they should have done is just name it the obvious thing and be like, okay, this is the one with like the tablet touchscreen. Just call it the Nintendo tablet. Nintendo Pad, Nintendo Slate, something to lean into. It's just the pad. Yeah. Yeah. I'm so glad we don't work. (laughs) They did their. You you know what, Nintendo? We we gave you a lot of a lot of stuff, but you did your best. We can't do any better. You know. Yeah. Yeah. It was a tough one. What chance did they have? (laughs) Colin Burtz writes in, and Colin says, "Extra Life is a charity stream, and shipping is costly for a small outlet like outlet like MinMax." Would the community be open to paying for the shipping of their own auction wins? Probably uh, not all winners, but I bet some would be happy to cover the cost. Uh, no, we can get it, but um, I haven't shipped those out yet. I think it's going to be a little bit expensive. So uh, please, we got it, community. But if other folks listening to or watching this uh, want to chip in and support us on Patreon at the $2 tier, uh, the fact that we raised $53,000 for charity and we just, just $2 for us, we'd greatly appreciate it. Help offset that because we got to ship all these thingies out. Uh, that was a plea for supporters on Patreon, Leo. Smooth. Thank you. Uh, Phil, uh, F- Felix Diaz writes in and says, I recently found out that Janet is Borokua? Borikwa. Thank you. Uh, through a story on her Instagram. As a fellow Puerto Rican, I would love to ask her, what is her favorite Puerto Rican food and does she ever visit the island? 
Um, I've never visited. I'd like to. Um, my favorite Puerto Rican dish is a pretty boring answer. It's just arroz con gandules. So, you know, rice and is is gandules already English? I don't know. They're like the little, so. little beans, right? Okay. Um, or pods or I don't know what they are, but they're delicious. Probably still my favorite rice ever. Um, yeah, it doesn't come up a lot. I'm trying to like casually mention it a little bit more because I do want people to know I'm Puerto Rican. Like I'm not, you know, ashamed of being Puerto Rican or anything. I talk about being Mexican a lot more because I'm way closer outside of my family. Like I really only know and I'm in contact with one person on my mom's side of the family at this point. That's my mm. aunt Wanda. Shout out to my tia Wanda. Um, and she's Puerto Rican, obviously. And she's like, oh, yeah, you guys got to like, you know, she like when we met for the first time, like she took us to like all these Puerto Rican restaurants. So it's definitely something I'd like to dabble in more. But it's tough when there isn't as much of like a lineage around, you know, like my now right. sister-in-law, like she's Mexican. So it's like I was more in touch with that side. Um, but yeah, obviously amazing culture, incredible food. Um, but yes, I am half Mexican, half Puerto Rican. I have no question. idea. Um, yeah, my wife went to Puerto Rico and she's like, it's the best. We need to go. We need to go back immediately. Uh, it feels it feels under the radar for like just places to visit, I feel like, in the States, which is, it's, uh, we should probably reverse it. to think of it as in the States too. Right. It's yeah. Like, yeah. It's like, it's, mm-hmm. yeah, it's no supposed to be needed. super beautiful. So, yeah. Uh, Johan Karner writes in and says, hello, very important question here. What is the best way to shimmy along a narrow cliff edge? In Plague Tale, they have their back against the wall. In God of War, they face the wall. Which way is best? I think what do you mean you, they face the wall? You face the wall. You hug the wall as you go along compared to doing okay. like this and looking out. Oh, so like hands up or hands down? Um, no, I think hands, <laughs> hands could be... I guess, does that imply... Because like, isn't guess, your back and your face always against a wall when you're going through an arrow passageway? No, 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 no. Shimmying, though. Shimmy like along like, on like the, a cliff railing edge. on the outside of a building. Like okay. sidling. Okay. Yeah. The, so like if you're if okay. it's like a narrow ledge along a cliff and you're like uh, 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 going along the edge of it, it's if okay, you want I your see, back I see it to now. it. I feel like I would be facing the wall completely. That feels yeah. safer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Same. So therefore, I guess that's the way games should do it. But we're not all like gods. If you're a god, then you can look out like a hero, I think. If the character's not supposed to be as scared as I am. Right, right. I'm sure they can face out. Great question. I feel though. like you need your hands to like grab onto things. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. Uh, John Wilson themselves uh, write in, they say, Howdy crew, what is your top snack of 2022? For me, it's a big year for Dots pretzels. Hell yeah, shout out to Dots. Um, I think they're like a North Dakota-based company. I reached out to them to see if they wanted to be a sponsor of the podcast and did not hear back. <laughs> but I tried to be like, hey, North Dakota, Minnesota, right? Rhymes. Kind of the same, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, I like that thing that you uh, you and Sarah had me eat, that like little treat. What was it called? Lefsa? Yeah. Lefsa's top snack. Ross, Star Wars guy fund, he brought a bunch of Lefsa over to Extra Life. So I have been eating Lefsa every morning thanks to Ross. So it's, it's pretty damn good. Uh, I, I think for me this year, probably, I think I would have given it to Edamame last year. I think top snack this year, I think dried mango. Might be top mm. of the heap. Mm. Don't mess around. Like I'm a yogurt gonna... covered pretzel. Yogurt covered oh, pretzel. Yeah. All right, that's solid. Mm-hmm. That's solid. I definitely had like a flips era, like maybe like seven, ten years ago. Mm. It's a fun mm. time. Mm-hmm. For me, this has been a big year for sugar snap peas and hummus, or mm. ruffles and the onion dip you make out of onion soup mix and sour cream big year for that for me wow fancy lamb look at you go uh christian feliciano writes in and asks is an arrow a universal symbol 
Do you think people of any part of the world or even aliens from other worlds look at an arrow and know it's a direction symbol? Aliens is one thing. Let's say <laughs> dropping it into any culture. Arrows, universal? It's gotta be, right? Amazon tribe, Leo, if I go and draw an arrow? It's, I'm it's, thinking if you don't... Taking, you know, people use all kinds of symbols, so let's go to the baseline. Imagine you have no symbols. Yeah. You think like a pointer finger would be how you decide to point. And does an arrow replicate that? I guess so, but we could use little fins like the arrow has on there. Um, I, the question is, yeah, anywhere in the world, will they be interested in buying MinMax merch with that sweet arrow <laughs> design? Oh. Um, pointing. Yeah, I wonder, is pointing just, if we siloed out a group of humanity and made them start over with culture would everybody develop pointing again is it just like incarnate in humanity i don't know so what else would you do to say that thing's over there you nudge with your nose do yeah do apes point <laughs> Apes probably don't point yeah. do they do they i think so that's probably the answer I was, at the, I was at the buffalo zoo like during my trip and and i forget it's, it's like what exactly what kind of like primate it was right but like i watched um like in an ape or gorilla or whatever like full-on take out a blanket move it around lay it down and then like lay down for a nap and i was like this is <laughs> i'm just like watching my life unfold right in front of me it said siri wake me up in an hour that's unbelievable uh it turns out i uh, feel like dogs are like weirdly one of the only animals that can follow a point they like understand what humans mean when they point right Whereas, like yeah. if you're pointing then they'll like follow where it goes to versus other animals will just attack your finger well i, I wonder when yeah, my like cats a, don't do that at all yeah with like yeah. a dolphin Started googling does my cat understand me pointing i feel like she does but it's like what's she understand, understanding she versus willful ignorance because yeah. sometimes i feel like you know what i'm talking about yeah. Bruce. come on also drop the, drop the act pigs pass the pointing test they can locate a food reward using uh human pointing and then it turns out like human infants chimpanzees in captivity with no training uh pointing emerges spontaneously so apes wow. and humans, we got pointing. And there's a Cat, dog breed called like an English pointer. Because it was the first like dog that definitely. pointed. I guess. Yeah. It, it would just raise its paw once in a while and point itself. <laughs> That's right. It's kind of spooky, actually. It just like pointed you. I'm not being serious. <laughs> it just put its arms straight out. Wait, not you like really that. did? <laughs> <laughs> yes. For aliens, though, we, uh, I mean, I guess NASA, we, in you know a, a society sense, sent out a golden disc into space in like the right. 70s and that had you know directions to our planet but i don't think there were any arrows on it it will yeah. yeah it should have been just like a compass just, like, lines i think intersecting leo i've been meaning to ask you this compass on the moon what's going on there what would happen what would, what would happen <laughs> it would be the earth or the moon's magnetic pole so it would find the moon's north that's my guess. Does Hang the moon on. have a magnetic pole? Well, Does it have a, an iron core that creates a magnetic apparently field? Apparently, no. The moon has no planet-wide magnetic field. So you couldn't put a bird on the moon. It couldn't fly south for the winter. It couldn't fly, yes, probably. Is Leo the expert on the moon? This is what I'm learning <laughs> from this episode. I think so. Welcome to our Google show. Is that a new show plus option where you just Google a bunch of stuff and learn? Yeah. <laughs> Um, Alex, I listen to a podcast about people just talking about facts, so I guess it is. There we go. Well, no such thing as a fish. What, is, what are they getting at? What do they know? Uh, 
It's a oh, spin-off yeah. of this uh, uh, British panel show called QI, quite interesting. Uh, and one of the facts in that was that there is no like universal classification of what fish means. So what? fish is a word that doesn't mean anything. There's no such thing as a fish. Weird. Uh, Alex. <laughs> hey, weird, Nolan. Alex O'Shaughnessy <laughs> writes in and says, uh, not a question, but last week you all mentioned stenographers and wondered if they are good at video games. My wife is a stenographer and she's also very good at video games, although oddly not at PC controls. Okay, so stenographers are great gamers, but they're only console gamers, so therefore baby or gamers. fight sticks. Right, right. Um, hey, what do y'all like for question of the week? <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, I think Nolan should get first pick. Ooh, that's true. Okay, Nolan. Our we, honorary uh, guest. We have um, pointing slash arrows. We have the cliff shimmy. We have Wii U true name. We have Square Enix games. The funniest food. We have Spike Awards 2012. Spoiler culture. What stands out to you, Nolan? I liked funniest food. Funniest food. It is. It, you know what? I'm delighted to get that one. Uh, congratulations to the one and only Chandler. Could you be any more of a winner? Oh my god! Uh, you you know, just like, won the big prize. They've been prize. dealing with that their whole life, right? I know, I'm like, so sorry. I'm so sorry. Uh, but now, believe it or not, it's time for something called get a load of this. All right, step right up, step right up. Leo Vader, what do you got? This, to me, is my most important get a load of this ever. I truly want you to get a load of it. Okay. So, um, a lot of times, PC games, same game that comes out on console, just won't have split-screen co-op. They just don't do that for PC because it's harder to optimize or whatever. And there is this amazing application I've been using called Nucleus Co-op that is completely free that adds split screen co-op to PC games, even to games that never had it. Some online games are on here. It just what? runs multiple instances of the same game on your computer and it runs amazingly. So much better than I ever would have predicted. My partner and I have been playing Borderlands 2 on, on this, on PC, and it's been completely smooth on a Steam game. You know, I really didn't think it'd be possible to do this, but it's happening. Nucleus co-op. And there's a list of, that is my link for this is the list of all the supported games. It's like 250 plus. Fallout what? New Vegas is on here. You can what? play split screen co-op Fallout New Vegas. That's stunning. This is Elden actually Ring? Good. Wait, what? Shout out. Yes, Shout it's ridiculous. That is wild. All right, there's a link below for all this fun stuff. Um, Janet, you got one? Yeah, get a lot of this. Um, I recently, well, I guess the whole story here is my boyfriend was talking about like, you know, gift ideas and stuff. And he's like, hey, um, I want some of these journals, but actually you should get one of these. Um, it's a Baron Fig journal. Uh, it's their gather skew and it's a review journal. And I just got this. I'm already obsessed with it and I hope to fill it with everything that I ever encounter in my life. Um, it's essentially like a journal that's designed around logging different types of, you know, media or art. You know, you can even do food, places, whatever. Mm. And they set up where you can write like your general thoughts. And then at the bottom, they have like a pros and cons and an out of five um, review system. And another fun thing is way in the back of it, they have also some top 10 lists uh, or the 2010s or something. I don't know how many lists they have, iterations of the 10 lists that they have in there. Um, and then way in the back, they have like a, almost like a glossary of like the terms. So they like uh, define like what a video game is and what they think the core components of a video game is. And same for like music and TV and all this stuff. So I just thought it was like a fun, 
interesting angle on reviews. They also have this very beautifully written thing on like what what is the value of reviews that I think is really well said of talking about turning like a passive medium into an active one. And I, I just it really resonated with me as someone that reviews games formally and informally. So, yeah, if you like that kind of stuff, uh, it could be a fun thing for you to look into. They have mm -hmm. other journals, too, like cooking ones and dream ones and all sorts of stuff. Cool. Link below for everybody. Um, hey, get a load of this. Um, I feel like it was my get a load of this a while ago, but uh, Sakurai is just not slowing down with his YouTube channel, the creator of Smash. Um, it is still so good, so consistent. They're cranking out uh, so many videos, and it turns out that uh, John Ricciardi, who was uh, on the podcast a while ago from 8.4, that 8.4 is actually doing the localization for all these videos, which is a fun fact. It's where uh, Sarah used to work over there in Japan and whatnot. Um, but maybe the most interesting one so far is he did one um, a while ago on Super Smash Brothers for Nintendo 64, and he's kind of walking through his whole... Uh, history of games and showing just behind the scenes footage for all these games so we had seen screenshots before but he actually shows like test footage of the earliest version of super smash brothers before it had the nintendo characters in it when it was kind of just weird mannequins running around and stuff so it's just amazing to have this old nintendo person i guess technically you know it's hal and it's complicated but uh, just for him to be unearthing all this nintendo history on his own so hey give it up for sakurai he's really doing it um and then in the community, in the uh, Discord, uh, Shazara shared a link from Nintendo Life um, that apparently today is Miyamoto's 70th birthday, everybody. 70. 70 Yay. big ones. Blow out a candle. Uh, blow out a candle and wish that he lives forever. Uh, Nolan, do you have one? Yeah. Uh, get a load of this in cool collective action news. Um, the union that I used to be a part of when I worked at NYU as an adjunct professor uh, just successfully got an offer for a lot more money, uh, which is great. Um, raising something like the the four course uh, or tip, typical four credit course pay from like six thousand something to over ten thousand dollars, which is amazing. Uh, also got a lot of uh, formalized recognition for the fact that teachers work a lot more than just contact hours. They typically just get paid for time in classroom and office hours. So there's also an administrative hour attached to that. Uh, and it's really cool. The union is voting to ratify it right now. And I hope that uh, it goes through and can, you know, set a precedent for other teaching unions across the, the country uh, for more money and uh, just raise their standard of living. So yeah. good for them. Right on. Right. Yeah. Link nice. below. Uh, all right. That's it, everybody, for this episode of the MinMax Show podcast. Nolan, thank you for joining us, sir. How'd you feel? Thank you so much for having me. I feel great. This is a lot of fun. Awesome. Yeah, we hope to see you next year. Um, we'll have another donation option for folks if they want to donate to Gillette Children's Specialty Healthcare, and y'all can jump on the show as well. So, honor to have you, Nolan. Thanks again for watching that stream. We apologize that it was um, stupid, and I apologize that I couldn't get Survivor on PC working from 2001. That's my bad, man. That was on me, uh, and I fully own that, and I thank you for your patience, sir. You know, uh, on behalf of the community, you are forgiven. Oh, thank God! 
Thank you so much. Uh, thank you. Like every every shot to end like this. <laughs> <laughs> Just <laughs> relieve somebody's guilt. Bed of some sin before we can oh, log off. God, if only. My favorite segment of the show, honestly. <laughs> mm-hmm. I do miss that series, the gaming oh. sin series. Oh, that was fun. That was <laughs> right. fun. Mm-hmm. Um, but let's see. On this episode of uh, Party Chat this week, which is our bonus podcast. By the way, uh, on the podcast, this podcast a while ago, I explained a little bit more of what Party Chat is, and I had. Multiple people jump in and support us on Discord and be like, I, or support us on Patreon. They're like, I had no idea what that was. I'm so glad you explained it. So one more time. Yeah. Party Chat is our bonus podcast that we have each and every week. Uh, Every Monday, you unlock it if you support us on Patreon at the $5 tier and it goes right in your favorite podcast app. With that, with that unlocking at the $5 tier, you can more than uh, double the amount of podcasts that you get from MX each and every week. And you can get the deepest dive for God of War Ragnarok in there as well, which is a beast. The first discussion was nearly four hours. It was with Serio Vasquez and Jill Grote from Indian Former, and then delayed inputs Kyle Bossman, formerly VZ Allies. It was a super fun time. Uh, I feel like we're giving that game the discussion it deserves. So if you want to jump in there and unlock the podcast version of that, you'd help us out and also unlock the podcast version of Party Chat. This week, we ran through the uh, Game Awards nominations that uh, were just announced this week. All that fun stuff. We unpacked Extra Life. Leo's on it, all that nonsense. So thanks, everybody, for listening to that. Um, and then heads up that we have Trivia Tower, everybody. Trivia Tower is coming up November 28th. Again, if you support us at any tier on Patreon, even that $2 tier, you can jump in and compete. We have a ton of game codes to give away, stuff like uh, Mario and Rabbids Sparks of Hope on the Nintendo Switch. A little to the left, we have a ton, a ton of game codes to give away. So jump in and compete in game trivia. Let me know if you have any questions about how it works. But this month's episode is going to be the MinMax community going up against the Easy Allies community. So help us take down those folks. But if you support either MinMax on Patreon or Easy Allies, you can jump in and compete because we'll be sending a temporary invite to everybody from the Easy Allies community to jump over and compete in game trivia. So if you want to jump in, this is a great month to do it, especially because we're pumping out a lot of content and especially because uh, we are nearing our goal. If we hit 3,200 Patreon supporters, we're creating a cozy holiday feast where we're going to get together in the Minmax studio, and it's basically a new episode of Mint Snacks, uh, where we're going to eat a lot of food and drink a lot of wine and be merry and festive, and it would basically be our holiday special. But there's a ticking clock, because that's going to expire at the end of the year. So jump in now, help us hit that goal. People listening to this and watching this right now, jump into that $2 tier, we can annihilate that goal. So please help us out, we'd appreciate it. Nolan, uh, anything else you want to plug? Any wise words here? Uh, yeah, so I actually just released a game on Halloween. Oh, wow. So Congratulations. It's a party game played on a Ouija board called Silly Seance. It's free on iOS and Android right now. So if you want to check it out, uh, I think that that would be really cool. That's a really good idea for a premise. I never thought about <laughs> that. How does it work? Uh, so it's a little bit like charades, but through Ouija. One person has to communicate with everyone else, but the only way they can do that is by moving their planchette, their cursor around on a digital Ouija board. Everyone else sees that cursor move and they have to figure out what they have to do. Uh, and so, you know, you'll have some silly actions like you may have to shake your phone to rattle an in-game chandelier, chandelier or like, uh, you know, scream into the microphone. Fun things like that. I love that's a really good idea. What's the name cool. of it again? 
Silly Seance. I will the download this. The links are available this. at sillyseance.com. That sounds up my alley. Uh, thank you to people supporting us at the Game Champion tier for choosing any game under the sun. Joe Dean is a champion of Hotel Dusk, Room 215. PrettyGoodPrinty.com is a champion of Marvel Snap. Oof, a lot of competition Ooh. on that one, but they take it. Uh, Spider Dan, the champion of Illusion of Gaia. Otsego 12 is officially the champion of Diablo 2. Thank you to everybody for choosing a game and locking it in. All right, that's it for this episode. Shout out to Nolan. Thanks again, generous donation, and everybody else's generous Yay. donation. Andrew Valla, thanks for uh, making Sarah shave my head. It was a good time. All right, thanks so much, everybody. Be good, have fun, let's go!